to Maximal Fire, the podcast for Princeps. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. And on today's episode, we're joined by Chris from Tabletop Standard. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's an honour. Yeah, so it's, it's nice when we can help the little guy get up and uh, <laughs> get some exposure. Of course. It's not at all that we're using Chris, actually, to boost our own numbers here. No, no, no. Well, this isn't going to get mentioned on the channel, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like that, is it? Okay. One-way traffic. Cheers, fellas. Um, right, now, on today's episode, we've got to talk about the uh, recent Reactor Meltdown tournament uh, we all went to, although one of us didn't really get to stay for very long. Um, also had the Bassaming guys down there, which we'll have a little catch up with that. And then we're going to, uh, well, because Chris is here, we're going to have a big deep dive into Legio Mortis, who um, I understand from a quick Google search of the nice guys of 40k and 30k. Uh, they, yeah. they, they help the Space Wolves kill the Thousand Suns. So I'm assuming that makes their good guys, right? Yeah, because, yeah, you know, the burning <laughs> of Prospero was so straightforward. Um, yeah, yeah. shades of grey. Um, uh, we've, we've had a couple of couple of comments from people. Obviously, we've done quite a few Legio deep dives into the into the loyalists. Um, we haven't. We've been purposefully kind of holding back a little bit on the traitor legions because of the hopefully imminent traitor book, which is is going to be coming out soon. Um, we hope, um, which we imagine is is going to change quite a few, um, ch- change a few rules. But we thought that of all the traitor legions, like Mortis, we. Th- thought was probably safe a safe bet for us to kind of do a um do the deep dive on they've had the rules published twice um first in um titan death and then the second time in what was it um shadow and iron oh defensive riser Riser. Uh, so we figured you know if surely if there was some updates that they wanted to do it probably would have done it in defensive riser last year um, Although, having said that, weren't Crucius in both those books, and didn't Crucius then get an update in the Loyalist book? Quiet, Ben, with your logic. <laughs> I'm sure Crucius are in, uh, are in Titan Death. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there, may, there may well come a point where we'll have to kind of update the rules ever so slightly, but we figured when you look at the rest of the um, the, the Traitor Legios, I think Mortis is one of the more safe bets um there's certainly other legios out there which need a lot more tweaking i'm looking at you kratos i'm looking Fine. at you legio furians <laughs> um yeah than 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 mortis so very popular legio um lots of people um collect them they're probably the main bad guys in at or good guys depending on which way you look at it so yeah it, this will be the first of our traitor legio deep dives I still say they should have been in the rule book rather than Tempestus myself. It was a strange omission, yeah. but mostly also because Tempestus are both traitors and loyalists. So well done on dropping a can of worms onto the traitor Legio for the book. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't confuse anything at all. No. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but first off, Chris, um, first, you know, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's great to have you. You're obviously avid fan of Adeptus Titanicus. You run tabletop standard uh, with your friend steve who if you haven't checked out tabletop standard before they're kind of the number one um youtube channel for adeptus titanicus battle reports so battle reports are your thing and you want to look and find uh, english speaking i say there are some um there's also some very good german uh, battle report sites who have started doing english stuff but um i'd say he's he's catching up Mm. (laughs) so no competition (laughs) yeah yeah, no pressure. He's got more subscribers. 
<laughs> I got more subscribers at the moment. At the moment, yeah. But yeah, um, so yeah, we just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the hobby, and uh, and uh, and in particular, how did you get into AT, and and what do you collect, and and why did you decide to start start your own uh, YouTube channel? Okay, so from history in in war gaming and and Warhammer and Games Workshop goes back till I was like nine years old. So I mean, I'm I'm forty now, so it's been a long time. Um, it, I think it just started with walking past a, a games workshop back in the day and going in with my dad and, and just, just loving the models and everything, picking up a book. Um, I think Space Hulk was the first sort of real game. I think I had Space Crusade as well. So all those sort of things from back in the day that I think probably a lot of your listeners and I know a lot of my watchers will um definitely know because i don't know if you, if you if you can look at the demographics of your listeners i can definitely see my viewers they're all in that age the, the biggest group is in that age group yeah of, same, uh, same with us 30s to 40s there's this grognard uh <laughs> group that, that that follows this this game i think essentially so they'll, they'll definitely understand that um yeah into second edition 40k just loved it um the books the law i mean i think if anyone that is into games workshop it's it's the law isn't it I, I would say because people moan about games workshop so much but you can't leave it i keep trying I've, I've tried twice i've had big big old kind of like eight to ten year hiatuses and it's always kept dragging me back in I always get you back and it's just that it's that law and that imagery it's it's quite classic um and i think going through however many games workshop games i've played there was a period actually where me and steve it was after the drop fantasy um we were not playing any gw games they were not making anything we were interested in we still loved the lore and we still loved some of the models or whatever but the games just weren't scratching that itch we, we were desperately looking for something else um we went to warhammer fest when they announced 80 and 8th edition 40k all at the same weekend we thought we'd go and see what was going to be it was i think it was the beginning of the new games workshop and uh yeah we were really impressed with it all we went to the seminar for 80 and we just were like kids really excited because going back we we played epic we played the original i think while steve played it i had the box set but i don't remember playing it but uh, those small scale games were definitely something we loved. And it was just like, this is like, you know, bringing that back. And we were just excited. Um, I was dubious about the terminals. I thought this is going to be weird and clunky. I think we'd spent the, a bit of time looking at the new 8th edition rules, 40k. And then we're looking at these terminals for AT. And I was, I was like, well, this is. I want something a bit fast and snappier. Well, it turns out it is this fast, snappy skirmish game, effectively, isn't it? You, you, yeah. you know, you're running with five or six models. The terminals are what make the game, in my opinion. That that management of those individual units, each one's got a personality, and you know that that one unit is different every turn because it, it it's not the same. It, it takes damage. It gets hot. It, you know, weapons are it, you got to repair it. All that stuff. It just gives it so much flavour. Um, so yeah, after the seminar, we were just excited for the release date. And um, by the time it came out, I was actually off work with a prolapse disc in my back. Oh, nice. So yeah, so I was at home. I was on a lot of painkillers. 
couldn't drive and I had this box set, I had the Grandmaster box set and I slowly got it done because I couldn't sit in my chair very long and I said to Steve one day, I said, let's film it. I want something to do. Specialist games aren't a big thing on on YouTube. I said, why not Why not be us? Why not be us? Have a go at it. And uh, yeah, it was pretty awful. It was really bad. First video. <laughs> I'd say like, not even like the, like the first video was awful, but even like when I look back at the first however many is yeah it was all pretty bad the technology you had was bad it was just in the kitchen um but yeah i just wanted to give it a go and and we've got this dedicated yet small following of people that enjoy it and it's uh if people are enjoying it i'm enjoying it and it's an incentive to carry on so it's kind of a whistle stop tour of be the hobby in at but so is um is Mortis your main Legio then, or do you have multiple Legios? Like, is, is the trap, I think, of anybody who plays AT? It's my main Legio. I mean, essentially, when we, we got we got Grandmaster set each, and um, there was no intention of doing YouTube. In fact, it was pretty much, we didn't know anyone else that, um, that was going to get the game, and we just said, look, this would just be for us. If we're the only two people in the world to play this game, we'll buy everything they release. And if they stop it, then we've got it and we can we can just get on with it because um, we loved it. And yeah, sort of Mortis and Graphonicus were like the poster boys, aren't they, of AT? And it was just classic. So Steve uh, had Graphonicus when he was at the originals and he always loved them. So he jumped on them and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be a Mortis player, no problem. So it was more of a, it wasn't, so much of thinking about it, it was just right there on the box and, and, and it, you know, DSRE and all those stories. So, yeah, it was just the way to go for me. I'm always the villain. You, you, I was about to say, you you didn't mind being the uh, the villain because I know I, I know I was always a, a loyalist and then the traitor dice got released, which was sexy, the loyalist dice, and then I did Mortis. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't mind being the villain. Villains are always coolest, aren't they? They, they always look best. Mm. I know everyone's going to agree with that, but when I start going through the books, looking at paint schemes, I'm always drawn to the traitor colour schemes. I think we talked about this actually in a previous podcast, um, that, yeah, the the traitors do have, I I think generally speaking, the loyalists are quite bright and they're quite quite bold colour schemes, but like the really exciting colour schemes, I think, are on the traitor side. I mean, the Furian's colour scheme is, is classic. Mm. Um, I really like Lania Scara as well for yeah. the the colours and the patterns on those. But yeah, I think that goes over with thirty k Space Marines as well because you think the trait the especially at that point the the loyalists have three colour schemes that are black, um, which you know so that, that's a third of them are, are just black. Which I mean they look great, but it's black. Um, and then you've got you know then you kind of got like the rest kind of just hit the primary colours mm. pretty much, and then you got grey. Whereas the traitors, you even have um, even have like word bearers and uh, the sons of Horus, which then have alternative color schemes as well. So there's even more you can do of them. And yeah, so I think that's I think that's fair. Traitors do seem to in all the games do seem to have the better colors color schemes. In our opinion, in our opinion, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So yeah, Mortis, uh, I just hit them really hard. So I got loads of them, so we could get um, filming with different like mana pauses as they came out, and then. Uh, I thought the best thing to do was create my own colour scheme and my own Legio because then the budget then would allow to play them as any Legio we want. Loyalist, Traitor, Black Shield. So I boosted them up. Um, and then obviously Steve's got his his uh, Legio. So he's got Solaria, he's got 
uh, Graphonicus, and he's now got Magna, so that's cool. So he's got a traitor. And then I've just painted um, Demacium, uh, Unbroken Lord. So uh, really enjoyed that scheme. Again, it's traitor. I just kind of like the purples, but I've done it fairly darkish, quite drab. Um, yeah, so that's, I've got three and two night houses. Steve's got three Legios, I think. I don't think I'm missing any, and a night house. So. And that's the way it goes. You start off with one, and before you know it, yeah. you've got three. And two night houses. And, and, and these little projects, we get like, oh, just like 1750, and then it ends up. We've had this Titan and this Titan. I could run this list as well. But I've had this Titan, and oh, we've got 12 Titans. <laughs> I think now what I'm going to do is I'll probably add a bit more to Mortis at some point. But I think what I'm going to do, and, and my homebrew, so it gives you all the options, but I think I might start just doing small Legios or just mana pools in, in different. Um, legios so i'll film a game and it will be this mana pool which is assigned to this legio and then i can just start just having a bit more variety uh in in colors on the table i mean it, it, for, a, for a game with limited miniatures there's still a lot of options yeah absolutely and that was that was one of the best things i think when they they, hit, they introduced the, the legio um more and more legios like it just expands the game exponentially doesn't it and it has to be a couple of changes and all of a sudden the meta changes and all of a sudden like people start changing what they're taking because yeah it's it's great a, a couple of traits go very far to which is surprisingly far to making games um differently just played so differently um it's yeah it's, it's quite it's quite interesting how they yeah that little tweak just makes such a difference yeah yeah well we're, we're very glad to have you chris um, I'm looking forward to hearing your your thoughts on on Mortis a little bit later on. Um, before we move on to the uh, the hobby updates um, in this episode, um, just got a couple of announcements that we just want to quickly make. Um, so the first off is we've launched a Discord server, so it's free for anybody to join. Um, for our Patreons, we also have a special Patreon channel within it. Um, already got some really good numbers in there. It's been great to see everybody come in. Um, and and start talking hobby. We've got people talking about 3D printing and sharing 3D printing ideas, um, Legio um, ideas and builds, uh, and just general chat. It's It's been really, really good. So if you are interested in, uh, in joining a Discord server, um, the link is already up on, on, well, it's posted at the moment on Reddit, on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we'll also put a copy of it in the show note descriptions. On the subject of Patreons as well, we've had quite a few new Patreons this month. Um, thank you very much to everybody who has chosen to contribute towards the show. So as part of that, here are your shout-outs. Big thank yous to Dave Holiday, Ed, Matt Bramley, Niall Kearney, Stu Warner, and Essex Wargamer, a.k.a. Simon. Thank you very much, guys, for choosing to support the show. If anybody else would like to um, help support the show, the big news of this week, um, which... I guess is the is the main announcement. So we have been able to update our perks. So before it was purely a um, supporters tier just to help us run the show. We're now actually able to offer some things back to you guys in return for your patronage. Um, first off, obviously, as I said, Discord server. We get your own private channel uh, where you can talk to me and Ben directly. And um, the next big piece of news is we're also able to offer any of our subscribers who subscribe at the Princeps or Princeps Senioris tiers. 10% off any order at uh, BattleBling. So um, if you didn't need an excuse to join us on Patreon, then uh, 
I think I've just given it to you. So yeah, thank you very much, and uh, do check us out. Um, so Ben, shall we move on to the hobby updates? I suppose the big thing in this section was, well, the tournament. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was fine, wasn't it? It wasn't <laughs> rigged at all, wasn't it? Who won? Um, I did. I, I won. I played George in the final. He ran it. <laughs> so, the, so hold on. So I, I knew you. I knew you won it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you played the organizer <laughs> in the final. The the guy who I played uh, probably about seventy percent of my Titanicus games against as well. <laughs> if anybody's a bit confused, why that's that's news to me. Unfortunately, I had a bit of bad news on um, Sunday, and I ended up having to leave the tournament after about two hours on turn two into my first game. Um, all I can say is, damn, COVID. Um, nothing serious, but it was enough that meant that I had to immediately go home and self-isolate. So you won't be hearing very much from me in this next section. I'm largely going to be handing over to Chris and Ben to tell you exactly what happened, because unfortunately I wasn't there. Um, yeah, that's what I say. It was, it was a fun fun event. I'd played a lot of Titanicus on the build-up to it. But there's a pro- I'm actually going to be taking a break from the Corsair Manacle. Have you been body swapped, Ben? I did play seven games last week. Do I need to ask you to blink twice if it's really you or if you need help? <laughs> so I have Reavers, don't worry. I'm just going to be running some Ferox. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I, I'm trying to think how much I've played since the last time we kind of spoke about games. I think I worked out I played 13 games in three weeks, including the tournament. So um, yeah, I need, I need to change up this a bit just for my own sanity. But I, I ended up on a half uh, half Venator, sorry, half Corsair. So three Reavers in the Corsair and a Reaver and two uh, Warhounds in the Venator. And it just worked really well. It's like kind of two pincers. The Corsairs kind of do their thing, dancing around, being annoying. And well, in, in unless someone charges a Warhound into one of them turn one. Mm. Uh, and then and kind of start smashing, attacking, kills the Princeps. Uh, that, that, that then tends to muck up that plan slightly. But I guess we'll cover that in a second. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and then like the, the Venator kind of goes off as a bit of a flanking force and it increases the firepower of one of the Reavers. Now, I would say I did, I did try a Vortex myself, and um, they're a bit swingy. Might be a bit too good. I um, in one of my games. In game two, I played against an Exterminus Magnapool, and he put two war, 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 war lords next to each other on turn one. So I fired in, hit both of them, hit the weapon, Ugh. which was quite annoying. Always the case. And then it, but then it moved, and one of them I took it right to the end of its body track, and the other one I took it almost to the end of its leg track. And uh, that was, I think that was that Martin, I want to say, the Metallica. And and that, that and that kind of meant as soon as the shields are down, both of them just died immediately, which was a bit um, a bit good. Um, yeah, I I think they need to go up in points a bit. I think I I, I got quite lucky uh, in the in the game in the game I was playing against you because uh, you missed. I think that was that's the thing, right? You if if you hit, you're going to cause yeah. some devastating damage. But if you miss, then oh, well, that's a weapon. That's a weapon gone. But the thing is, unless there's like lots of minuses involved, you're hitting on a two plus. I'd taken uh, the princeps traits; they got to re-roll once per shooting phase. But for some reason, I've already used that in our practice game. I can't remember why. Yeah. So yeah, so I rolled the one and then can re-roll it. But uh, yeah, it, it's it either really destroyed a weapon or it basically killed a titan every time I roll for damage. And it, it is just it's nah, nah. 
And obviously there's one guy at the tournament who, could, who used to fight it before the game even started, basically, in the first strategy phase. I heard about this. Yeah, which is not fun. So, um, yeah, I think me and George might be looking at updating the rules pack and they might be under a bit more of a restricted and or banned list. So, Chris, I know you've been playing recently with, with some Vortexes. Like, what's, what's your opinion on that? Um, it's a tough one because so we just filmed um, and I'm editing currently. Uh, we took a Psy Titan and a Corsair Mana Pool with three Reavers, all with Vortex Payload. So the whole idea for the experiment was to see all this void shield avoiding weaponry. And mm. um, so I, I don't want to sort of spill the beans on it. You have to wait till it, it comes out. Um, I will tell you about my experience with Ben's Vortex Payload, who I thought I played a great tactical move in the first turn. And yeah. just, to have it, <laughs> just to have it taken away from me when he one-shotted a Warhound with a Vortex Payload. Um, Yes, they are swingy. Um, with the, you know, when you say about the warlords, Ben, and you hit the weapons, were you not mm. presagious? Did you not re-roll the location? So, um, I spoke to the Goonhammer guys in the week leading up to this about rules interpretation. Right. Because I was pretty sure you couldn't, and they kind of agreed because the way the way it's worded is, is we look at it. You fire the weapon, and then the weapon puts an effect on the table you're not firing you're not firing the template you're firing the weapon and then the weapon creates the template so we worded it that you couldn't oh that's interesting yeah that's that's kind of the conclusion we came to and i kind of i i, I had a nagging feeling in my head that, that might be the case and it's one of those edge cases where obviously it's not been faq'd and i don't think it'll probably get faq'd because it's a very minor legio and a very minor rule but yeah, I I, I didn't want to essentially. I didn't want to get it wrong, so I didn't. I didn't bother. I, I didn't reroll. You, you are right. You say I. I did, that is a that is a interpretation of it. That's interesting because we played. So we made the legio presagious on purpose, so they could reroll the the location because it says you only with um, presagious you only don't reroll the location on a template if it misses. Yeah, the misses are obviously always a short range and. Yeah, also, so, the missiles have a short range of twenty, which also seems bonkers to me for an eighty-inch weapon. But yeah, so we were playing it that you could re-roll it. That was all part of the part of the experiment. And I would say I've had many discussions this week about uh, Warbringers. Like Warbringers, whether they you play them as front arc or corridor, I have no problem which way you play it, as long as it's all everyone knows beforehand. It's all played the same. Getting yeah, into yeah. it, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I was the only prestigious player. So if anything, I kind of nerfed myself to make sure I didn't get it wrong. But that, that's that, that's how that's how they, you know, and obviously you could say it was like two guys' opinion. Sure. Uh, Zach's played more Titanicus than I'm probably ever going to play. <laughs> so, sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that, that's, the, that's the impression we got from it. Okay, that's interesting. But but yeah, if I could have re-rolled, it would have been even. Oh God, mm. I could potentially have killed two warlords in what in the first turn of a game, which just feels a bit good. There's something not right there, is there? A thirty-point weapon. I, I would say, and I think this is people have said this about warp missiles as well. Once the missile's gone, that that uh, reaver does feel really underpowered. Yes. Now you might go boohoo, cried me a river. I right, you've killed a warhound, and that is fair. <laughs> I'm not gonna. 
I'm not going to like stand here and go, well, you know, I killed a warhound, but I really want to kill two warhounds every turn or whatever. But it, it does definitely feel, yeah, it, it, it's, it then needs more support, which is part of the reason it went into the Venator mana pool so that the, the warhounds could do some jobs stripping the shield so it could shoot its gun more often and have, and that could kind of make up for it. So that was definitely something that we found um, in our battle report. Because yeah. uh, we had three of them. So once they'd fired, they, the Reavers were all down to two guns. And then in the list, there's only four units. Uh, and mm. one of them is a side time, which is obviously very expensive. So there's the whole, uh, the advantages. They've got all these horrendous void shield avoiding weapons. But the flip side is they've got low activation, potentially for the, most of the game, less weaponry. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a fun experiment. No, I, I could see that. I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind trying. I think it's quite cool. Um, it, it's like a, one of the other lists there. Uh, I think a guy called James, the guy you played, uh, Peaky Free Had to Go, who had the, yeah, the yeah. other Corsair Manipal who came uh, third. Yeah, he came third. So Corsair, top two Corsairs in the top three because it is the best Manipal. <laughs> So he had uh, his traitors, unalo- no no allegiance rules, which um, I think messed up a couple of his opponents because they, they they lost out those two strategy points. And he had, uh, was it five, five Reavers with Chain Fist, Power Fist, and Warp Missile, and then three Knights, uh, three Knight Lancers. And it's a, such an extreme list. When it works, it it's brutal. But if you can uh, mess it up a bit, so if I'd faced him, I probably would have had to take Vox Blackout, which I hate taking, but for that crucial... I think he's going to charge this turn. Cool. No, you're not. I've got one more turn to kill you before that storm hits me. I was really disappointed that I didn't get to finish my game against James because James was the the guy who I played the first two turns, and I was I I had taken for the tournament uh, an Ordax list, two minimum Canis Manipals, and two um, Acastus. Um, <laughs> Says the guy who took a Vortex missile. I, I, I don't have got legs to stand on here, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's one of those lists. I think he he mm. is used to being the aggressive one. But I mean, as you found out, Ben, like I've started mm. playing Ordax incredibly aggressively because I find if you start dancing around people, you you just get blown up. Um, in fact, like Ben, you said that you played thirteen games. How many of those did you lose? Uh, I don't know. Who was that to? Some guy. Some guy had tabled his uh, his Sturgeonus a few months before. <laughs> So uh, basically what I'm getting at here is I think that, you know, if, if I'm the only person in 13 games to beat the guy who won reactor, the reactor meltdown tournament, then probably I would have won the tournament. I think that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, to be fair, like the, the odds when I was playing against James, the odds were actually, were turning against me. But like the way that I play them at the moment is... Um, you know, the Canis Manipal, you, you're right up in people's faces. You know, you're outside of your deployment zone uh, really far forward. And um, I just get them so close, get them in the sides and the rears and just start smashing and shooting off weapons. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, when we left it, my my Acastus, unfortunately, in that had been one got automatically destroyed by a warp missile and another one was about to die to some, um, uh, to, to, to some Serastus Lancers. But um, there was, you know, I, I, I'd done some quite a lot of damage to two of his um, reavers. I think it probably would have gone his way ultimately, um, but it would have been interested to see how how it played. But um, yeah, once 
once those warp missiles had gone, and in fact, I was targeting warp missiles and disabling them um, if I was close enough and aiming with the Vulcan Megabolters in close range in the rear um, just to try and sort of to prevent some of that output because if people were shooting him in, hitting him in the rear, it was very difficult for those um, Reavers to actually bring their forward arc melee mm. weapons to bear. There was a couple. I, I I did make a mistake where I found myself getting charged in the rear because I didn't remember the guy who was around the corner. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was a scary list. But the the biggest issue that I had, well, not issue, the biggest thing which worried me and threw me off was the no legio rules. Having to drop down from five stratagem points to three was really confusing because. I'm, I've never played against somebody who's never taken a Legio before, and it's amazing how much those extra two points. I'd say Chris, offer. this young pup doesn't remember when everyone got three trash in points. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually tempted to take a, my my homebrew painted ones and take no Legio. Oh. So for that reason, um, I, I literally opted to take my Mortis because they've got magnets on the bottom, so they were easy to transport. That is a big thing. It's um, I was sorry, Tanjo. I was looking at the uh, is it versatile train that the bait the guys do the the, the resin bases. Uh, I think you the ones you use, Chris. Um, and I was, I was looking for, for when I'm doing my Krytos, and then uh, at, at this tournament, I, I played against lots of people with resin, with resin bases. I'm like, the weight difference and the way I magnetize, I just can't get my head around it. I'm like, mm, I'm not. you'd have to drill, you have to drill the bottoms out to put a magnet oh, in them. Let's see, they're they're uh, too they're too pricey for me to uh, to do. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just not doing that. So um, yeah, so my mortis are on the old original plastic mm. ones. They've got a magnet slotted in the bottom. They were the first ones I'd done, and yeah, and I actually built like a, a very mortisy list. I tried cramming in as much sort of mm. mortis stuff in there for just for a bit of flavour, um, and we'll probably talk about it later. But a lot of it's some of it is not good. <laughs> we won't talk too much about ben's tournament because it sounds like he obviously rigged it and cheated but like how did you um how did you find the tournament i know that you and ben actually played your first game against each other so i don't i don't really want to talk about it either to be honest <laughs> no it's good. It was a good first game it was as you i think as you said like you know you charge you, you charge a warhound into me turn one which i completely hadn't even thought about yeah now you got to remember why because that that warhound had 10 points on its head yes it had to die in my deployment zone yeah so i, yeah. I had a, the secondary where i score pick a unit and i will score 10 points if it dies in my opponent's deployment zone so we had that um corn, uh, arrow deployment so you can get right up to the center yeah. um i was using march to the dead so i was straight in first turn charged off so he's literally did a suicide run I thought I'll do as much damage with it as I can, and then when it dies, I'm scoring 10 points. So that, you know, it, there was a method to the madness. It was actually quite successful. It killed both my princeps. Princeps and yeah. both of them died to it. <laughs> straight straight away, I'm, I'm doing all right in activations and kills, and then that warp missile just pulled it back straight away, and yeah. I, just, I didn't have enough to, to hang on. If the game had finished in turn four, I think I would have been up 30 points to five or ten and then the game yeah. went one more turn and it was a complete point swing, wasn't it? Like 40 to 10 to you. So Yeah, because your warlord was still on the objective at that point and I was able to push him off. Well, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> I just push him off. I brought him down and then, um, yeah, at that point I had the objective. Yeah. 
Um, but I really enjoyed the game. It was nice to meet Ben. I did say to everyone, I bet there's going to be a big maximal fire target on me as soon as I walk in. <laughs> um, it wasn't me. I, I, I will be honest. George put me on that table because I'd painted the train that day over the, that, right. the couple of weeks leading up to it. So he was like, yeah, you can play on it first game, you know, to kind of, you know, as you did it. And then uh, he said, and then, yeah, then, then you appeared. And I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> I, mean, I just want to say to everyone as well that the tables were brilliant and it was well organized and I had a really good day. So um, it was a great event. But yeah, I really enjoyed my first yeah. game because it was challenging. It was fun. And it was lots of engine kills and some good stuff going in there. So, yeah, it was good. Um, second game was against Ollie. Um, he had a Regia Manipal, I think. With, so he had two warlords, two hounds, and a couple of lancers. No, he had uh, two two reavers. He he does the um, it's the it's the one that gets yeah Mandatum. Yes, yes, it was two reavers. Sorry, yes, yeah. two reavers, two warlords, and two lancers. Yeah. And he just never got out of his deployment zone. It was the four objectives, and he just kind of went for some first fires, and I just used that to outmaneuver basically and i ended up sort of per turn having three or four titans aiming on one titan and um i could sort of pop one a turn and do you know what in the end i did actually lose because once i had i had four warhounds i had um i can't even remember what it's called now i had the warlord and four warhounds uh the oh i've been i've been using it myself um no that's mandatum isn't it that's mandatum yeah so it gives you the the bonus. Myrmidon's the one. Myrmidon, yeah. Myrmidon's the two warlords. You think we know, wouldn't you, by now? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 awful for pacing. <laughs> too much. Oh, you know the maniple. You get like two, you get two reavers and three warhounds, and they get bonuses in combat. Yeah, that one. Um, so my warhounds did start crumbling to warlord fire in the end, but um, by the time that was happening, it was I actually had to start thinking about moving back and and putting some units on objectives to score some points otherwise i could have just gone for kill so yeah um he didn't really get out the corner and i I could just kept putting pressure on him so yeah it was fine it was an enjoyable game i just it, it was maybe a little one-sided for too much of the game i i get i get ollie's idea with it because he's one of our he's one of the guys who comes down to our wednesday nights and the idea he's basically got is he gets first fire and then on the surge turn because he plays furians He's getting, you know, he can get a weapon that gets three shots a turn. And I'm like, yeah, the theory's great, but I keep trying to say, but Titanicus is a game of manoeuvre, especially in the open war missions where you've got to go and take objectives. Just sitting at the back and killing stuff is 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 fine, but you're not going to win many games when I'm, I can put, like, especially when on that one where you can choose to put the objectives down yourself. And I go, I'll put this one behind terrain then, and then have a warhound on it. And you can't, you're not coming and getting it then. Yeah, that's it. So he was bringing his reavers and his lancers forward, or one of the reavers and his lancers. And mm. where the cover was, I could position my titans in a way that they weren't taking too much firepower, but I could get everything yeah. on those advancing units. So that's kind of how that went down. And then my third game was, I'm going to get his, pronounce his name wrong, so I'm going to apologise. Is it, is it Vetus? Yes. Vetus. He had the, was it the green, uh, the green and white stripes? Titans. Yeah, yeah. So I think he had a Crusade Legio. I can't remember yes. traitor orientated. I can't remember what the what the rules he were he picked. Uh, but really nice guy. And we basically looked at each other and said, right, because the, the the mission was just kill. Mm. And there was gonna be like, yeah, tactics out the window. We're just gonna cut heads. 
And uh, we certainly did. I mean, I had the Reaper, the Plumber Reaper, which was the only game he actually had close combat. But he had this um, close combat warlord that he warped this place and used the Allegiance ability and just smashed it straight into the Reaper and was one crit away from decapitating him. And then I retaliated and was one crit away from ripping its guts out. Um, and then he had the activation, so he went first and, and, and killed mine. But then I had some Warhounds in the back by then, which finished it off. And um, I was losing stuff pretty quick. And then it sort of turned on its head and then I was taking stuff out. And then at the end of the game, I had two Warhounds. He had one Warlord with one of my Lancers in its flank dancing around it. And... Um, the game was a draw and it finished in turn four, I think, actually. So, again, I, if I had another turn, I probably could have taken out that last Warlord. But I think um, the way we played and the spirit of the game, uh, I think a draw was a, a fair result and uh, yeah, enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I think that's what I like about AT is that sometimes you'll be looking at how the, the land is laying on turn two and think oh my god how on earth do i come back to this is there any point in continuing the game and then something can happen in turn three mm. and it just flips you know or you could think that you've got this game in the bag and then you actually go to tally up all of the objective points at the end and actually it's way closer than you think it was or maybe it's not you, you, that that sure thing win that you've got was just denied and it's all of a sudden a draw because your opponent's been clever with their last few turns i do i do like that it's just obviously tabling if you get tabled there's nothing you can really do about that but um yeah massively i mean game one against ben was pretty much decided on whether it was going to be four turns or five turns um so it was a big swing there which made it fun and in that last game you know i i say you know we we just put our heads down we didn't literally just move our units towards each other and roll dice we were still going around terrain and all that stuff and there was you know there's a massive uh moment where um i think it gets you ben i failed some big orders didn't i some charge orders yes. with my lancers um, and yeah you, you brought your lancers out to kind of protect the flank of your warlord and then they failed the charge uh, even had a reroll with it as well, and you still felt the charge. And then um, I got I got a first fire, and that just took them out, unfortunately, it. with the plasmas. So that was a swing. And in that last game, um, I had my lancers coming towards. He had a warhound and a warlord side by side, and he went for some first fires, and he got the orders off, and he missed all the blast shots. Ooh. You know, you know, a, a bellicosa and a maximal firing plasma, and they both scattered away. And my lancers were unscathed. I thought I might have lost one. And it was enough to yeah. get that charge. Oh, no, I wasn't even charging. I just moved around the back. Just 12 inches yeah. behind you. That was it. So, yeah, a lot of things happening literally on single dice rolls here and there. And that's one of the things I love about this game. Yeah. I, I guess to quickly kind of, because I've kind of talked about them in roundabout ways. So, uh, so Chris, Game Against Chris, absolutely awesome game. And I said, I, I thought I was in trouble basically until I think about because at the end of turn three, I was I kind of just thinking like I think I can win this, but I can't win this on turn four, and that's where I had to basically that's where I made up my mind. If I'm going for the win, it's on turn five, and if I lose the game on turn at the end of turn four, I lose the game at the end of turn four. Because sometimes you have to make that decision. Because it, I would I would have to push too much to try and kill the warlord that was on the objective, and I think that would have put me out of position. Um, then I paid. I think it's, is it is Matt Darvish? Uh, I'm really bad with names. 
There is Matt Archer, yeah. Yeah, that goes my, yeah, I played him, played him game, uh, in game, uh, Matt in game two. I was really worried it was Martin Derbyshire, and I was like, oh, cool. Um, he had what I thought was a really good idea, which was, was it Estergimus Metallica? Because obviously you, don't, you have a few activations, but doubling up, you're getting two warlords shooting after each other. But the problem is, he really ran those warlords hot. Like, they, I mean, you know, they were pretty much just on fire the entire game. Is it, you know that that <laughs> meme of uh, you know that meme from what's it um, Chernobyl? You know how's the reactor doing? <laughs> it's like that was literally his entire game. But uh, thanks to the vortex missile and some terrain, I was able to kind of like half my force just dub- doubled turn one down one flank. The other half kind of he had the same secondary as you did, Chris, against me. So his warhound had to try and die in my deployment zone, but the deployment zone's a bit further away. So I sent my ve- uh, my. Uh, my Venator to go and basically kill that, kill him, which they did in turn two. And then after that, I killed a Warlord a turn. And when the Warlords go down that quick, it's, and I wasn't really losing anything. Well, actually, no, I lost three Titans to one of my Titans overheating and blowing up and then killing another two, which, which yeah, if you're going to lose Titans, yeah, that's, that's the way you do it. Love it when that happens. <laughs> so, uh, and they had, um, but um, they had been damaged by the by the Metallica at that point. And anyway, the last game against George basically came down to the first two turns. We killed nothing. We'd done some damage. Some shields gone up, but had some really good repair rolls. My shield rolls in that game were bonkers good. I was just pushing and pushing because I, I knew I had to try and survive the um, the was it the uh, their, the stratagem turn for Furians because I've played him so much. I basically know we we kind of know exactly when the, what what's going to decide the game at what point. And then once I survived that, um, that was it. I ran both my Warhounds red hot. They were on fire, and I charged them into him. So when they blow, blew up, they'd blow up in his face. And one of them went forward to charge in close combat and did nothing. So um, so I just basically, he got to go first. So I, I deliberately shot my plasma on maximal at short range, hoping I'd roll a one so it would blow up. And it didn't. But it hit his weapon, so it took out his plasma. Then I said, "Then I said, aimed for the aimed his Vulcan Megabolter." So basically, on his stratagem turn, that Warhound had no guns, and that just took and that that kind of escalated. And I think I took out another Titan, and then eventually they did blow up and did some damage to him. And then yeah, then I kind of I kind of rolled his flank. It's yeah, and yeah, that was that was kind of it. And then um, what what kind of did put me over the edge? Uh, I did. In two of the games, I took a tertiary objective to get one extra VP for every Titan you kill, because I, I noticed in the open war games the objective, the scores are really tight in a lot of games. So I thought those couple extra points could make a difference, and they didn't make a difference in a single game. But because the way the scoring worked and your game score was your overall score, that put me over um, Dan, who came second with his uh, custom legio. I think there was only something like half a dozen points or something between the two of you. Seven it? points, and I got ten. I got ten points in tertiaries. Well, congratulations, Ben. I mean, obviously you put put the work in. It's good to know that we actually, well, at least half of the people on the Maximal Fire podcast know what they're talking about. I, I know I'm talking about with very, one very precise, you know, Corsair, Persergi. It's everything else. I've no idea, mate. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can. Although, I mean, I was, I was pretty devastated to to lose out on the tournament. It was a, it was a tough day when I had to abandon. Um, but I, I at least was able to come home knowing that, uh, you know, I'm the only person who's beaten the the champion of the reactor meltdown tournament in the past two months or something. So I can, I, you know, I take that. I, 
I, I can I can take that away. I do want to say a quick shout out though to John from uh, Battle Bling, who uh, I jokingly said turned Canadian for the day because he had two um, he had his two uh, what do you call uh, casters, which he'd done for the painting challenge that you know the Clash of the Titans page challenge, and every time he used them, he apologised to his opponent. <laughs> it's like I'm really sorry. <laughs> These are broken. I know. I want to take them out, but the list is in. I mean, as long as you're having fun doing it and you're a good sport. Two of them is nasty in one banner, though. It is nasty, but it's also legal. Like, and yeah. it's a tournament at the end of the day. I mean, you know, I may sound like I'm defending it. It's got nothing to do with the fact that my tournament list also <laughs> included two casters, but I felt justified in taking two casters because the rest of my army list was six warhounds. So, um, yeah, that's my reason. That's what I'm sticking to. And we should quickly say the breakthrough of your list, which I've been telling you to do for ages, and you finally did it. No Ursus Claws. I told you. And yeah. Shock Lances. It worked. It shut down two of my Titans. I'd, I completely, yeah, completely written off Shock Lances. I don't know why. I just have never really ever considered them being an option. Um, they first came back on my periphery when I think Dan was talking about. Did he play a game against you when he took some shot glances? He did, but the the only time they they did shut down a Titan, but he was already fired, and uh, by that point I'd killed both 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 his readers very in one turn. The biggest problem that we've got at the moment, and it's like I think one of the the great things about having this tournament is that everyone's been shut up for so long. And there's been very little opportunity to really properly play test um, lists and get out there and play different people other than people you play with every week. Um, and there's in in that time period as well. There's still been a lot of new legios which have been released. Mm. I don't think we're at the point yet where people have maybe Zach from Goonhammer with the amount of games that he's got in is hundred plus or something. Um, it was probably. Yeah, like, well, I say 100 plus. That's probably in the last few months. He's probably done another 100 plus. But um, who knows the legios inside out that they know how to counter those legios, you know? And I think that the only the only reason that I um, beat you, Ben, uh, was because I had played that list and struggled against that list with my Extergamus Manipal because I know their strengths are long range with Melter Cannons. And the only way around them is to kind of then go underneath them and get in and in, inside those short ranges. Except against your surgeon, I deliberately get close to stop your cap executing yeah. me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but I think there's this the community as a whole is still playing catch up. Oh, and um, definitely, there's definitely a lot of legios which are really strong, which haven't had much playtesting or are really minor. So I think a few people haven't uh, appreciated because mm. I think we've had what four books since lockdown started. Yeah, it's been a lot. Because uh, was it the book that came out with the Warbringer base came out, and then we went into lockdown a month later, and then we had two more last year, and then we had the Loyalist one this year. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of a lot of change. I think you probably find this as well, Chris, with the amount that you're playing and the amount of mana pool. Like I say, you've got the uh, amount of legios that you can sort of bring to bear. You you probably got had a lot of opportunity to to play test things, probably more so than than a lot of people. We're lucky in our space that there's a lot of AT gamers in Bournemouth and Pool, and there's quite a variety of legios. So, like, we do get to play against quite a few to try and get our heads around how those legios work. And it's something I've said before. Like, it's it's not like it's not like 40k where you have a specific race and you kind of 
know roughly what that race is going to do and maybe it's got some rules you don't really understand you generally know exactly what your opponent's going to do when they put down a reaver on the board with two close combat weapons but um there's still an element of learning how because because of the, the way the legios work it's, it's so different from one game to the ne- from one legio to the next depending on just those special rules that get applied or not as james's legio kind of yeah group. i mean to be honest with you i don't you see my games i play because when i when i play i'm filming so that's as much time as i've got so i don't play as many games as you as i think i do um but yeah i think it's good that there's um i mean obviously not everyone being locked in but it's nice coming out and having all that variety um to play with it's almost like giving the game another year of life or with what it's got um when you know when i'm thinking oh what, what should we film this week or next week or whatever there's just so much to to go through um so yes yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing there's lots of choice what were your um this is a question to both um both of you but like what what do you think your main kind of takeaways and lessons learned were from the tournament what what things surprised you what things reinforced opinions that you'd already made um you know seeing them out in the open like that i mean chris if you want to do you want to start um one of my observations and i don't know if it's just because I didn't actually really get a chance to really look look around and and see what was what was there. Um, but I do feel that the warlord is back with the gyros. Mm-hmm. I think that has made. I feel there was a period where the smaller titans were running around them and they were dominant. I think the gyros. I don't know if it's because it was the first event and people were maybe expecting loads of war masters. Where there, there were none. Um, yeah, and I'm so. Sure. Was, yeah, well, I wasn't surprised. Well, not a big shock, but I expect there to be one or two. I think at 1750, it's. I think yeah. people's options are limited. I, I, you know, you don't know how many people have actually painted there since they've got it. Um, but yeah, Warlords, I think, were big at your event. And obviously with the gyros, just makes them that much more efficient. So so we were asked this question in the previous, in the Princeps Questions episode that we did before. Do you think they're under-costed? Yeah, so I listened to your cast and then I saw what was at the tournament and then I've, I've played myself because it, it does become an auto-include. Yes, I think they are. Um, when you're taking one Warlord, it's great. And you've got three in front of you all lined up with gyros and you just can't get out of it. Um, yeah, maybe under... I think it's a good thing. I think it's a nice option. And I think... Um, the the lads with the Crusade Legios are getting them for like ten points or something. Ten points, yeah. Yeah. So that that is bonkers. Ten points. Um, that's, that's that's too cheap in my opinion. I know, I know it's their advantage, but um, yeah, if it's twenty five points, it's twenty five points. It, uh, they that should supersede the Crusade ones, seeing as you're cherry picking your own rules anyway. I think with the Extergamus Maniple in particular, when you, I mean, I. I'm as guilty as the next, but I run two in my um, Extergamus, two gyros, but it does make the, the Carapace Gatlings bonkers good mm-hmm. because you've got 12 dice you can throw out anywhere, split fire. Okay, well, you know what? This turn, well, that guy over there could do with a bit of shield stripping, but this guy over here has just got, you know, a few heavy shots into him should sort him out, you know, and you just go, okay, well, they'll, they'll shoot over there then and take out that guy's shields with 12 dice. 
not if you're rolling my dice because out of 12 I'd probably hit with three but um you know it's it yeah it does make a huge huge difference I mean you can say okay well you know within 10 inches they can't shoot anything smaller than it but you know, that's still at that point the the options that you have with with gyros even if they are within 10 inches chances are there's something not within 10 inches that you can split fire into and it, that's that's when it becomes so good because that weight of dice with ordnance with a reasonable strength as well they very good i mean i think this the sturgimus manipoles kind of mean like a double factor i think if sturgimus didn't exist then i don't think it'd be as big and i'm not, I'm not saying sturgimus is too powerful but people want to play with Warlords. Exterjimus is a very good mana pool. And then the gyros on top of that, I think, is just making them such a good choice. Because even if you do, I normally try to do Exterjimus and kill the Warhound war or the Knights that support it quickly. So you have more activations. As you say, because they've now got that front arc, is that even the activation advantage isn't as good as it used to be. Yeah. It, I mean, I do think it's, a, it's the right thing to have in the game. Because... Hmm. Like I say, I do think the smaller Titans were making the Warlords obsolete. And when you look at a Warlord, then they should be this all-powerful, I mean, not even King of the Titans now, are they, of a, a Warmaster and and whatever. But yeah, they, maybe they didn't feel Warlord enough. And then maybe, has it swung the other way too much now for 25 points? I don't know. When I when we talk about Mortis Slayer, when we look at some of the War Gear options there for 20 points... yeah. You just, yeah. So it's a, it's in a it's in a tricky place. I think maybe just a points increase. I don't know. So Ben, what what was your kind of key takeaways from the event? Any anything um, that you observed? I kind of mentioned there. I did expect to see a couple of war uh, warmasters, but we didn't. Um, so my practice games against them were for nothing. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 it's fine. I, not that I date, not that I think you need to practice against them too much. I don't think. I think you just play one game. You kind of understand how they work because seventeen fifty. I don't think is a good points value for War Masters. They're just the list is too limited. And basically, you're taking this Dergimus that has that you have one really good activation and then three all right ones. Um, I think other than that, I was quite surprised how many custom legios are there. And it's something I kind of I think we need to kind of look at at some point where the the custom legio rules might be too good, especially with gyros. Uh, it being they're nowhere near as good as they were when they were in White Dwarf, where they were broken as anything. But I definitely think, and, and it's a shame because there's some really fun options in there, like the spiked arm. If you want to do a combat legio, but I yeah, I don't know. I think I think cherry picking. If there's just too many good ones. To cherry pick and you know stuff like potentially being able to fire five vortex missiles before the game's even started. That could I mean oh, that that goes into another issue of vortex missiles, but that could lead to a lot of unfun games very quickly. Yeah, in my experience of going to events, when something is a tournament, you will get you will get a mix of people that just want to go for the lulls and mm. play three games of AT and and not really care. And then you'll get you'll get the people that do sit down and 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 know the game better than I do, and and will create um, these these great combos if it's if it's available, and the and that's fine. But the problem is you might get that person matched up with someone that isn't that person. Maybe one person's not getting the fun game they wanted. It's what happened to Johnny from Battle Bling, if, if we're really honest. And there's nothing against his opponent. They had a very nice chat after the game, but. 
Johnny's there to see Titans blow up and have fun and make silly noises, and then to lose two Titans before he's had a movement phase yeah. was was a bit, I think, crushed him a little bit. So if that can be minimised, hmm. then all the better. If you can come and play a good game and do that with a set of rules that are already printed, and you can you can use them to your advantage, that's fine. But there's a difference between that and going, well, this works well with this, and I can just make that up put that yeah. together myself i i'm just not a big fan of them i guess i just but then i'm not i'm not that i prefer the just turning up sometimes you need to see these things out in the wild before you can properly make a decision on them though right and i i know that the at community in general is pretty good at, at moderating itself um i mean i know that we've talked ben with george about like well, we're, we're planning on doing another um tournament in the towards the end of this year maybe november time and we've already started talking about what we would change what we would what we would limit um because i think there are still some things out there which unfortunately will probably never get faq'd because you know that they are they are probably competitive but i think that there is sometimes a line that you need to draw between being overly competitive and being in enjoyable it's that whole your fun versus the to the expense of somebody else's the the, the thing is and uh this is an argument i actually want to actually having currently with the uh flames of war community which is uh they're trying to come up their whole restrictions for tournaments the problem is the restrictions they're bringing in as i say if you limit what's super good now by like removing something from the game so let's say we go you can't take a castus at the next tournament you can't do custom legios something else will just rise up to the top and something else will become the, the best thing. So all you're doing is moving the goalposts to somewhere else. And then if you limit that, well, then something else will rise up to be the best thing. You're never going to fully stop it. So you almost have to embrace what you have or just have, I think, some minimal restrictions. I mean, some of the level they're talking about going is to, like, almost making a, a whole different game, which I disagree with myself, partly because I think you're creating a barrier to entry for an event basically having to go, yeah, you know that game you love? Well, we've completely changed it. So on, on that topic, we've had um, some Princeps questions come in, as, as we always do. We've had quite a few this time. Um, around we decided that we're going to split them between some general questions that we're going to talk about now, and then there's some specific Mortis questions that we're going to talk about later. And one of the, th- one of the questions that came up, actually, was from Daniel Martin Corbin, um, runner-up at the uh, Reactor Meltdown tournament. Um, and he says, at the next tournament, do you support the idea of Vulcan Megabolters being 20 points and then Flamers being 10 points to help some diversity in the lists? I know we've spoken before, haven't we, about how we think that Vulcan Megabolters are cheap, too cheap. Um, interesting idea. Maybe change the points, mix it up a little bit. What do you think? So for a tournament, I wouldn't personally. Um, so I'm going to say this with like the full respect to them, but you got the what's, what's the guys in Australia? The Mournival. Mournival. I love what they've done by making extra weapons. I don't like rewriting the game effectively, which is what they've done. And that's nothing to do with the fact they nerfed Persegius. <laughs> I had that feeling before I played Persegius. But um, I, I would rather not at something like this, because partly because it, it, I think it creates to, especially from like a, an event organized point of view. So we're getting these lists in and we're having to check these lists. So the, it's more likely that I could make a mistake forgetting that we've done this. It's more likely the person sending the list in might have made a mistake not realising we change all the points of things. And also, if you're like a hardcore tournament, tournament player or hardcore gamer who plays the Titanicus like, you know, three times a week, then but yeah, maybe, and you pay other people like that, you could probably do this. But 
I was going, Chris, about half the guys, a third of the guys come to the tournament, it's probably like their second or third or fourth game, and they just want to turn up and put some Titans down. And I don't think they care as much, and I don't think you're not catering to them. I would say for me, if like if there's a second edition Titanicus or a 1.5 and they change the points of stuff, I would... I would. I've got a lot of views on the Warhound weapons, mostly because I think they're the ones which are probably the least balanced points-wise. I'm not. I'm not saying any of them are bad, but I think I, I would definitely. I would actually have Vulcan Mega Bolts being twenty points, and have the Inferno, uh, Inferno cans being ten, and then I would have plasmas maybe even going up to like forty-five, fifty, and I would make Laser Strength nine, and I think that would balance the Warhound weapons pretty well. Something for playtesting, casual games? Sure, I would like love to see that because I do agree it is quite seeing two Warhound weapons, really. Sometimes a couple of lasers because you're a bit short on points. The thing with these sort of things, I'm quite, I'm quite open to things like this, but I think, like you say, when you've got a group of people looking at a ticket, I think you're, you, you start dividing opinion and I think you just want the majority of people just to t- happy with what they've got in front of them. You know, you, you start saying, I'm okay with changing things. I mean, we have our own house rules on the channel because some of the rules are stupid. Um, but yeah, you might, you might do something like that and that might turn away X amount of people from coming to your event. Maybe it might bring in other people. It's a difficult one. Uh, if you're just playing out the book, no one's really got anything to moan about. I don't think that, well, the way that I read this question, I don't think um, Dan's really kind of coming at it from a, you know, this is broken, this is too cheap, we no. should change it. I think he's he's more kind of coming at it from a, um, wouldn't it be interesting to see some different lists or what people would do if all of a sudden the auto-takes weren't auto-takes for Warhounds? I would say for me, though, it would make zero difference. I would just drop the Bastion Shielding from her list and take the Vulcan Mega Bolters. Yeah, I mean... That's the problem. And then it's, it's going back to what you said before. If you change something else, then something else becomes the new hotness, right? Yeah. So you're, you're moving the problem, maybe? Yeah. I mean, potentially then everyone just takes Warhounds with two two Plasmas because Plasmas are probably the, the, well, are the, the best gun and they're not bad at shield stripping. And then all of a sudden you're creating another problem. We've always got all the Warhounds are running around with these incredibly high-strength weapons. I'm not sure that. Yeah, um, I, I get where he's coming from. I and I'd love to see it play tested. Like you know, if we want to do this on the Wednesday nights, if Dan Dan wants wants recommended for the Wednesday nights, I've got no problem with Wednesday nights doing it. But for a tournament, I think it. I'd rather not yet. And I, I think it goes back as well. Like it, there'd be a lot of admin as organisers mm. to make sure that all of those lists were right. You know, if you've got thirty people coming to an event, and each of their um, lists have to be checked with a fine tooth comb to make sure that they're they've taken into account the changes then yeah it could be could be tricky in a tournament setting but in a narrative or open play you know sounds like it might be fun you've also got like none of the apps none of the apps will list building apps will be set up for this that'd be the other problem as well yeah if you if you go over to apps which i love the apps <laughs> it's we're gonna test them we're gonna test them <laughs> I'm a big fan. Getting out of those bits of cardboard really threw me the other day. <laughs> I think we, me and Ben both love them from a list building point of view, but um, mm. I think we're we're still um, still a bit technophobic when it comes to actually using them in the game. I think it'd be nice, actually. I mean, it shows that it may even exist, but like there should be a way to like Bluetooth your lists between each other, so you can actually see what the other opponent's doing. 
Um, not that I don't trust people, but I think that's one of the problems with the apps is that you you kind of don't know what they're fiddling, whereas you can actually see it if they haven't moved something on a on a terminal. I'm awful for moving the wrong thing, so I'm very happy my opponent can see my, my terminal. Yeah, do you know what? I mean, if someone's moving the wrong thing on their terminal, I'm not checking it. I'm not looking at them. If, if someone wants to be that person and, and give themselves an extra void shield or, or whatever, I know people make mistakes. I make mistakes. But I just think, yeah, good luck to you. If that's how you want to play the game, good luck to you. Yeah, good point. Okay, so the, the next question is from Gundrick. This was submitted in our new Discord server. Um, he wants to know, what do you think will happen to the DIY Crusade Legio rules once the traitor book comes out? Um, will it be thrown into a book um, with Black Shield Legios, do you think? Uh, no. What do you think is going to happen then, Ben? <laughs> They'll just use the book they're in at the moment. They'll just keep them in the defensive riser. There'll be no change. Yep. I think there's not enough Black Shield Legios to warrant its own book at this point, is there? So if they hadn't put knights in the Loyalist book, I could see like a knights and Black Shields book, but they've added the knights into the Loyalist book now. So and I assume the traitor book will have their knights as well. So now I don't really see the I can't really see where anywhere it fits in. Of course there is the there is the possibility that they might just go, here's a Black Shields book and here is a ton of new Black Shield Legios. There's too many um, non Black Shield Legions that they haven't done yet. I don't think you can do that myself. Hmm. I'd like to see that. I'd love to see that because Black Shields is like this really undeveloped part and I still get confused by what's actually Black Shield rules and what's the uh, modern Black Shield Legio, uh, whatever they're called, their rules, because that's the only time I've seen Black Shields. So I can't think why Orsodax and Palace Moor and all these other big Legios, the Warped Dogs, don't have rules. Uh, I don't think you can do a Black Shields book. I don't think. I think if they were going to republish the the DIY Legio ones, though, it would make sense maybe that they would be published alongside Black Shields because I think there's probably more scope for, you know, the the legions, the the the, the fringe Legios, isn't there? That people can just create their own Legio to for them to be Black yeah. Shield, maybe. I just I just don't think. I mean, they they've not redone the night rules into a nice cohesive book which they really need to because the rules are all over the place at the moment not as in they're bad sorry just as you know there's one bit in this book and there's a bit in this book and it would be nice if they just had a book for knights and knights i think are more way more important than black shields i would say that might be a controversial statement i don't know but um i I just can't see a black shields book and a custom legia book anytime soon and there's things i'd rather they did first definitely the uh, crusade legia is a bit more popular than i realized i didn't think they were that big a deal, really. I thought. I, I didn't think they were popular, and they were the most represented thing in the tournament. Yeah, that's a bit sad, really. I, you know. Yeah. I like, I like all the legios. I like all the all the fluff and the flavour, and mm. yeah, I like seeing that on the table. I think you've got two types of players, though, haven't you? With AT, you've got the people who are very heavily law and fluff. Um, uh, in, what's the word I'm looking for? Involved. That's that's the reason that they play, right? They oh, want good. to see their yeah, yeah, very much focused on the on the legios and the fluff, and they want to see that represented. And then there's always going to be that group of gamers who wants to create something themselves, and they want to be able to build something from scratch and bring their own twist on things. I think that there's there's a fine line between taking um, well, not fine line. There is there is a distinction between taking crusade rules because it makes your legio better 
or you can make it do more what you want it to make it do and um taking it because you want to actually build your own legio i think you know if you're turning up um i think we talked about this a, a few weeks ago ben like but if you're turning up to a tournament with Griffonicus and saying oh these aren't Griffonicus, uh these are a custom legio then i think some people some people might be kind of a little bit like put off by that because at that point you're obviously manipulating you know not you know some people play this way but you're obviously manipulating the game to better some part of it rather than it being a um you know than 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 to be involved in a law uh, there's only one legio i have no issue that would be and that'd be kratos if you want to play kratos the custom legio please do it yeah i think that's 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 <laughs> valid there there are there's that they're just hot trash at the moment wow i'm, I'm gonna look forward to beating you with them peaky <laughs> well that's just because i'm a terrible terrible player at ad mate it won't be because the you know i'm at an, an advantage anyway um yeah i i we, we had a big lengthy discussion about this and you know i was just i think it was me actually theory hammering um some custom legios and how you can make things better as they were and so uh, it was a good point well made like that's that's my my opinion. Um, either way, however you want to play it, you can play it. But um, I do think if you're gonna, it's it's great to build something from scratch. But also, um, you know, I I'm I'm not somebody who's overly. I wouldn't consider myself to be gamey, and I'd I'd like to. Um, if I, if I choose Griffonicus to play, then I'll play with their rules. Yeah, and that's where I come from in most in almost every game I play is that I I could I I always try to make good lists because that's kind of my, my mindset. But at the same time, I, I want to make good lists with the stuff I want to play with. So I, you know, by using the example of Kry- I'm, I'm you know, doing Krytos next. I'm going to try and make the best list I can with the Krytos rules. But I'm not, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, oh, I'm going to do a custom Legio because, you know, I'd, I'd rather just use the challenge that is their rules and what I can do with them. And now I know the missiles are slightly better than I originally thought they were. I've got some essentially Sunfight in there. And just as you get used to that, Ben, they'll change the rules. And hopefully make them good. It'd be great. <laughs> you know that's going to happen. They're going to drop the book and the rules will be amazing and everyone will be repainting their titles. Yeah. <laughs> All the Kratos players will be like, you know, oh, we're complaining. I've had to put over for three years of rubbish rules and you just come yeah. in at the last minute. Yeah, I, I was Kratos <laughs> before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I mean, you know, it, it happened with me with Griffonicus, wasn't it? Like, I built like three and a half thousand points worth of Griffonicus, and I was like, I just, I'm not feeling these guys. Never actually ended up playing a game with them, and I dropped them. And then the new rules came, and I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> I shouldn't have, shouldn't have sold that, should I? <laughs> and I'm starting again. Shall we go on to the last? Uh, this. Um, it kind of links him nicely. With that it kind of links him nicely with the question we just done. So yeah, yeah. So this one was from Matt Bramley, uh, one of our new Patreons. Um, patrons. Why? What is the plural for people who are on Patreon? For patrons, or is it say patron. Patreons? Page patrons. Supporters. One of our dudes on Patreon. Fanboys. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> says, assuming that the Siege of Terror will be covered at some point in the future, what other major Titan engagements of the Heresy would you like to see expanded upon? Uh, Prospero, so Prospero. Get, so, so Zersax can finally get rules. It, it's another one, right? That you'd get Mortis in again, probably. It would be like the third book for Mortis, yeah, but I mean, they were literally everywhere, weren't they? Yeah, oh, they are. They are everywhere. You can't, yeah, you can't go around that. They're one of those legions. Like, uh, uh was it Furians? Well, everywhere. 
And the other one for me would be um, Talon. Yeah, Talon's a big one. Uh, the other one I would like to see, which I've just because I I read the book Warlord, is I'd like to see whether when Metallica, the trade part Metallica, turns in the Palace Mall, because I'd also like to see Palace Mall get rules, because um, they're kind of cool. Uh, but I, it's uh, I think the problem with Terra now is most of the legions on Terra got rules for now. I mean, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, you can't get around that. I could see a um a siege of terror. Oh, no, the question wasn't about siege of terror, but I could see the siege of terror book being more based on a rule, like a campaign rule set or an apocalypse style supplement. I always think the siege of terror would be the rule would be the book you'd get the uh, the corrupted titans because that's where they turn up pretty well. One at yeah. one at the end of Titan Death. But really, that's when the Corrupted Titans start appearing properly. So it kind of made sense. But if they're doing a traitor book, which is, by the sounds of it, going to have Corrupted Titan rules, going by all the not-so-subtle hints in the Loyalist book about when you fight Corrupted Titans, what you do, it would kind of, um, I guess, that kind of rules that out. At which point, I do wonder what you get from a, a terror book, except obviously from the, the fluff point of view. You'll probably get new Titans. Full stop. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, per- personally, I think it should be the last book they do for either this edition or when they eventually go, we're now done with Titanicus or we're going to do the next series of Titanicus books is going to be um, the Great Crusade Titanicus books. So we can now yeah, that's what in. I'd like to see, some, some Great Crusade uh, mm. some books. Um, but then that's obviously, for me, that's opening up other races. And uh, I know... I know that's quite a divisive subject, isn't it? I, but I'd love to see it. I don't understand the issue because uh, a Eldar and Orcs were, were in Titanicus back in the day. They so it's not like they're throwing them in randomly. And as I've always said, it's not like during the during the actual heresy. It's not like the Orcs and Elders stepped back and went, "Yeah, you guys deal with this, and then we'll fight you." They they were doing stuff. They were still attacking them. <laughs> There are Eldar Titans in uh, the novels, uh, yeah. fighting some Reavers. I think it was the it's the one with the uh, Iron Warriors and the uh, Emperor's Children, and uh, Fulgrim goes on that little jaunt. Perturabo, <laughs> I think. In... Try to sacrifice Perturabo. Yeah, there's yeah. The beginning of one of those. I think there's some. Hmm. They, they wake up the statues. The Eldar uh, Titans wake up and they're, they're battling with some reavers next thing you see like an arm yeah. dropping on the floor or something i'm just like yes i want that i want to play that game mm. models are just stunning potentially controversial opinion but like i mean i'm i'm with you chris like i'd i'd like to see great crusade done next um either as a standalone supplement or as a you know if you just take titanicus and it's just another command thing or maybe they release a great crusade box set while they still have an Adeptus Titanic like as it is now Horus Heresy Mm. but I mean I really would I wouldn't be opposed if they decided after they've done these things and they've gone down the road you know let's let's bring it into 40k I mean it's 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 a great rule set the rules Mm. work what does it matter what races that they bring into it as long as they're not neglecting um you know the Horus Heresy but I, I could honestly see second edition Adeptus Titanicus being a different theatre, be it yeah. the Great Crusade or be it even 40k. I, I honestly, you know, it, it'll if it goes the way it's going. I mean, it's obviously still owned by Forge World at the moment, isn't it? In the Specialist Games banner, but it maybe in the future it gets rolled in with the rest of GW. 
Um, add in add in Tyranid Titans could be quite cool. I, I'd, I'd rather see Orcs and Elder first because that's more in theme. Um, but just personally, uh, and you got like was it Thirty K channel? They've used some of like the Blackstone Fortress stuff to represent some other night stuff, which I love. And it's so it's annoying. I saw that went. That's amazing. You can't get half those models anymore. I was like, I would have gone out and bought loads to do it. It looks so cool. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, Orcs and Elder definitely Nids. A town could be quite cool, I guess. I don't know. Necrons, maybe just go nuts, but you can incrementally build it though. You know, if you go Great Crusade next, you introduce a couple of extras, you introduce Orcs, mm. you introduce Eldar. Um, trying to think if there's anybody else who'd really be floating around at this point. Not Dark Eldar. Really. Um, Dark, Eldar. Dark Eldar don't have Titans, really. <laughs> no. You think how many rules and, and man and pool traits and combinations we've got just with the Imperial Titans. Mm. Just doing Eldar and Orcs would would give this game so much more. If they can do similar, you know, do you got the craft worlds, you've got the Orc clans. That's still loads of stuff. I, I don't even think you need to go that nuts. I think if you did like the five craft worlds, the five or six great Orc clans, and then even if you did like six mana pools, that would still be a bucket load of stuff. But maybe that in is inherently what the problem is. Maybe the fact that AT is good because it's so self-contained, because you know intuitively what your opponent's going to be doing by the Titans that they put down on the table. Maybe if you start introducing more and more, you end up getting into a 40K kind of problem where you've got all of these ranks with all the variables. Oh, well, never be a 40k problem because it's not like 400 units well, <laughs> which no. you have to balance everything against um as long as they don't do what they did with gothic and i say this some gothic is my favorite game gw currently don't sell where the elder were you know that rule book you just read well throw it in the bin <laughs> and here's our rules as i think they'll follow the rules of titanicus so to speak so i don't think it'd be a, i don't think it'd be a massive issue to kind of have void shields, not void shields, uh, shadow fields, hollow fields. That's the one, thank you. Yeah. And the orcs have their whatever they'd have their probably, Customs. yeah, probably. I probably, I always imagine orc, orc shields only work on a four plus no matter what level they're at because it's orcs, but they'd have more. Well, this is this is quite timely. This is quite timely, Ben, because um, one of our listeners, um, is mm. another Alpharius on um, uh, Instagram, has actually sent us over a load of uh, his custom rules. For orc gargants, so um, we're going to be taking a look at that over the the coming weeks. So maybe I mean, from a cursory look at it, look at it, it looked really interesting. And funnily enough, it followed some of the kind of thoughts that we had um, around additional structure points. Um, but there's also that he's introduced a couple of nice um, little kind of race specific micromanagement elements um, along the lines of fires. Okay, let's wind this up. This first half has been already quite long. Yes, um, yes, sorry. We are going to take a break, and you're going to listen to a little message from our sponsors, the guys at Battle Bling. And then when we get back, uh, we're going to talk all things Legio Mortis. So see you soon. Princeps, does your Titan need a refit? Refit, refit. Are your locomotives feeling sluggish? Sluggish. Do your machine spirits need lifting? Lifting, lifting. If the answer to any of these is yes, then head on over to BattleBling Battle Bling Battle on the Bling. Etsy store. Our range of new parts, conversion kits, weapon upgrades, alternative loadouts and retro war gear will have your Titan ready for battle 
and make them the envy of any god emperor. Battle Bling, gaming accessories, bringing the bling to your battlefield. Warning, Battle Bling products may contain awesome. And welcome back, everyone. So, into the meat of the episode, we're now going to do a big deep dive into Legio Mortis, the nice, friendly, not moustache twirling villains of 40k, 30k at all. Everyone's friendly neighbourhood Legio. Hmm, they're nice, you know. They're not, you know, it's not them got, you know, the death's heads. It's it's very much the uh, Mitch and the Web sketch of, are we the baddies? I think a lot of them definitely knew they were the baddies. Yeah, I think that was less of an obvious one. Are we the baddies? Yeah, we're the baddies, we are. Both of you have... I, I'm the odd one out here, really, because both of you are current or ex-Mortis players, so uh, I'm hoping that the, the wealth of insight from the pair of you is going to be vast. Um, as we've done with uh, all of the uh, previous ones, we're, we're going to run through the rules and then we're going to touch a little bit later on some str- on stratagems and maniples. Got a few questions as well that we want to um, that we've had submitted from our listeners um, that we're going to run through as well. So I think let's let's just kick this off straight from the top. Legio Mortis are um, standard thing. They've got two traits, two pieces of war gear, and one stratagem, um, and the usual three additional princeps senioris traits. That's not standard. They get five, not four. Is it normally four? Mm-hmm. Most other legions only get four. When you get four abilities, they get five. I don't believe you. Look at Metallica. Metallica get a trait, a war gear, two bits of war gear, and one strategy. Kratos, I've only got four. Has my mind just been blown? <laughs> I mean, one of the upgrades is completely awful, so it might as well be four. Ataris only get four. Yeah, it looks like it's a thing. Defensor get five. It's all right. We're safe. One or two. One or two. As I say, it's not. It's not like it's not a sound, but it's it's rare to get five. More <laughs> have four than have five. Men look up book on the internet or on podcast. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, we don't. We we knew all of this straight off the top of our heads, guys. There was no research involved. There was no scrabbling for books to try and quantify what Ben's um, Ben said. They are in the small list of Legios that have five um, abilities. <laughs> Um, the first one, uh, let's talk about their Legio trait, Reaper's Tally. So the princeps of the Legio Mortis are cold and calculating, keeping meticulous kill tallies, and often fill their command decks with servitor choirs that drone out an endless list of all their victims. This cacophony of the vanquished drives the Titan's crew to methodical acts of destruction, each fresh kill adding another name to the chant. So, each name, each time a Titan's Legio Mortis destroys an enemy, it gains the ability to re-roll a single dice of one. Uh, sorry, a single dice roll of one each time it makes a shooting attack. These effects are cumulative, and for each Titan destroyed, an additional one may be re-rolled. Pretty good. Yeah. It's nice. Um, situational. I think by the time you start getting those tallies it the game might be in its later stages i mean i i don't know about you guys but i don't tend to kill that early um i quite like it with a princeps with favored by fortune though so if if you get that kill or a couple of kills you're, you're getting those reroll ones and an extra reroll um i've used it with a warlord where i've hit maybe eight times with the apoc missiles and i've rolled a one and then another reroll i get all the 10 hits and drop shields things like that yeah it's good but it's not not mind blowing. 
obviously also to remember, guys, in case you're wondering, if you re-roll one, you still take heat from plasma. So yes. it's on the first roll, not the second roll. So um, it, you can't just go, oh, I'm going to fire my plasma maximal, no damage. Yeah, you can still... So, so the, the, it, it, it's a good roll, so I wouldn't build around it, but if you can get a kill quickly, it's amazing how quickly that can escalate. Yeah, and, and this will help that escalation. Like I say, getting that first kill is going to be the challenge, but having that as a re-roll will help you with another another kill down the line. But it is it is only Titans, it is not Knights as well, so you can't get freebies from killing Knights. Yeah. Um, and I think, to, to your point, Chris... Um, you know, it's probably going to be quite late game. You start unless you get lucky, of course, um, or some good dice rolls or some, you know, good strategy. You're probably not going to be ac- accumulating many of these before turn, maybe turn three, turn two, if you're lucky, I guess. At which point you're already halfway through the game. No, I mean it's not a trait like um, I mean presagious ones, because we were talking about earlier that you're using that from the get go, aren't you? You're mm. firing in the first round if you can drop shields which that does happen in the first round and you're re-rolling those locations, yeah. that, that to me feels like quite a strong trait early on where this one, it, it's a good trait, but you're not, you're not getting it straight away. Some Legios have traits that are effective from, from the very beginning all the way through the game. This one isn't one of those. No, so like some sages, I, I would say that's, that's, I build around, I build around the trait because it's so good, but yeah, as I said, you, you're not, you're not building around a trait which has elements of luck to even get it initially. Uh, there's nothing actually more annoying, I always remember this, than a Titan. I remember uh, almost killing a Titan, having his body down to like the very end of the track, and then it died in the maintenance, in the uh, in the end, in the uh, repair phase because it blew it was overheating, and blew itself up, and then you've done all that hard work and you don't get any of the Reaper's tally benefits from doing it. Okay, well let's move on to the next one then. Um, so the next one is State of Decay. So even before the infectious rot of Nurgle took root within the ranks of Legion Mortis, many of its crew were deadened to the constant brutality of war. The cold lack of emotion manifested itself most obvious in the princeps of the Death's Heads and in their ability to suffer the worst, uh, the most punishing feedback from uh, MIU units without flinching. So once per game, uh, any Legion Mortis Titan can ignore the effects of MIU feedback, moderati wounded and princeps wounded for a round, in a round that the Titan ignores critical damage effects, it may not allocate any repair dice to its head. I don't know about you, Chris, but I often find that the head is probably one of the fewer places um, that I'm, I tend to take critical damage. Um, I also don't necessarily... I, I suppose the moderati wo- um, wounded one's probably the worst with the minus one to shoot, but the minus to the command check wouldn't bother me as much on a senior like certainly on a senioris i I agree you you don't but when you do start taking this damage to the head this is when your titans start failing things in those clutch moments when you when your ballistic skills affected and um even getting that essential order you don't you don't suffer that in in the body you get a bit you know you do get hot um yes you can drop your voids but your titans effectively working okay um so i have actually found this quite useful when when you've got something beaten up in the head when you want that order you haven't got to worry about um the the modifiers getting those hit rolls and then of course i think what's the last one you can shut down can't you the beginning of a round with the moderati wounded the third critical damage in the yeah, head yes it's, it's it's one i always forget about but yeah the moderati wounded on a dice roll of a one you shut down yeah so 
do you know what i've i've used this in a, in a round where i've had severe head damage and it's got me out of a scrape so i i actually think it's quite a nice little trait one to have up the sleeve yeah yeah it's not gonna happen every game but the game it happens it can win you the game i generally find the third point of critical damage effects I don't know about you guys or other people's games are quite rare because normally at that point when you've taken two, you're compromised. So even sometimes when you've just taken one, you're compromised and the, and the damage just then starts just going crit, 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 crit. And you, you don't get yeah. the third effect because you're dead. Um, so it's not always, but I find the order modifier and, and the, the hit modifiers, ignoring that has actually got me out of a couple of jams. So yeah, it's... Again, it's not one of these groundbreaking traits that you're using every turn, but in the clutch, it has come in useful. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. I was saying my my uh, experience is the same. You know, probably like in one in five games, I use it, but that, by that time you use it, it can save your bacon. There's also the fact that there's almost no downside. Yeah, you can't repair the head, but potentially if you're using it, the Titan's going to die soon anyway. So you're just making sure you get that one last good activation out of it before it goes down. And into that coup de grace moment, didn't you? And just, yeah. yeah, I'm going for it. If I'm going to blow up, I'm going to make sure I'm right next to you when I do it. Exactly. <laughs> I think this next one, the, the stratagem, is is possibly one of the the best things about um, Mortis. So this is um, March of the Dead. Just a three-point stratagem, so it's a bit pricey. Um, but Titans of the Death's Head Legion were relentless in their pursuit of their enemies, often marching from one battle to the next without stopping. Wasting no time organising their line of battle or considering the disposition of their foe, they swiftly closed in for the kill. This stratagem may be purchased by any Legio Mortis player. Play the stratagem in the strategy phase of the first round. The Legio Mortis player may immediately move each of their Titans just as if it was the movement phase. The special movement cannot be boosted. If the player uses a stratagem, their opponent automatically becomes the first player for the remainder of the first game round. So for a long time... I didn't think much of the stratagem. I didn't really use it. Um, now I'm kind of a bit in love with it. Uh, I think it's with the new deployment maps on open war, it gives you good scope. And I think it's incredibly good with Warhounds and Reavers. Um, you are getting those Vulcan shots with your bolters at 20 inch off in the first round. And then if you've got a Warlord in the back, you're you're getting some big guns off stripped titans in in round one and yes all right you're close enough that you're firing so your opponent's probably the same but you can construct your move to try and mitigate that you're picking your target early and they're not um yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of the strat now and I'm, I'm using it more and more i used it every game um at your event because i just wanted to play with it with the different deployment zones i didn't have to worry about filming i could just just have some fun with it and i got that engine kill off ben in the first round with it yeah i think it's i think it's extremely good anything that you can move and redeploy in this game is is dangerous yeah there's a couple of maniples which jump to mind which work uh, which would work quite well with this the obvious one is the ferox um yeah. you know getting that extra 8 inches um 6 inches 4 inches closer towards your opponent and then having a movement phase afterwards, you know, fantastically, yeah. you know, works fantastic with those maniples. I think with the the Ruptura as well could see some play um, mm. with that, with the free boosted movements that you're getting. I really like the strat. I mean, that we talked to, I think one of the first podcasts we talked about Le- Legio Kula Satai 
and they have the um, a similar one to this. I think it's only two points where you choose a scale of your Titan, yeah. and you get the same ability. Having this across your entire army, I think, is really good. The down, the one thing which, and unfortunately, this isn't really a criticism of of the stratagem. It's more the way of how things interact. Is there's that? It's it's less of a problem now, but the Vox blackout stratagem denial. Um, yeah, first but they're, phase. They're, pay, they're they're paying three points to have a three point stratagem. So it kind of you know when it was one point to have a three point stratagem, yeah, yeah it felt really awful. But they're spending three points to have a three point stratagem. It kind of just means you're both just paying with two. Um, and you know what people talk about it. I've I've never really seen people take the counter. Uh, box back out turn one stop people from doing turn one abilities I think that's another one of those self-moderated community don'ts yeah. as well isn't it I mean I, I've taken Vox Black out I would never consider taking it in turn one purely to deny an opponent's stratagem as people are going to probably in tournaments as well you know when it's a bit more competitive that people probably will but then maybe that's where you don't take it and they, they Vox Black out you and you weren't going to do it anyway Hmm. <laughs> you know that yeah. that kind of get the that kind of game within the game. Uh, but so no, this is a fantastic trash gym. Uh, I do kind of wish it was two points. <laughs> three points is where I'm, I'm kind of on that point where I'm like, you know, you look at other three point strategy gyms like uh, the uh, I'm going to bring up Furians one, which just feel slightly more impactful. But if you build around this, you can, you know, with like the, uh, this and warp displacement, you could potentially have a reaver charging on turn one from from almost across the entire battlefield. That's just nasty, and it's great, and I love it. Yeah. You know, it's very easy, I think, just to look at it and go, it's a move, but yeah. it's essentially with a Warhound, it's, it's a 16-inch move because then you've mm. got your movement phase. And I, you know, if you had, like, a loop cow mana pool and you said, right, I'm going to make this, you had five of them, you go, they're going to be uh, a unit or whatever, a squadron, then you do your 8-inch move and then another one, and then you're all in range of a Titan and they all fire at once. Yeah. The, the really potential is huge. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I, I love it. I, I would say I, I never, I don't think I ever played a game of Mortis without taking it. See, I didn't for ages. I just, I just, I just didn't think. Oh, I was in that whole. Oh, I don't want to spend three on that. But yeah, no, I think it's. I, I think about actually. I think I think one of you take a more course, uh, corset Mortis Corsair map. I don't think I took it, but then I wasn't playing very aggressively of that list, and I wanted to stay. I was taking lots of like volcano cannons and lasers, so I wanted to kind of stay at range. But I think pretty much all my other lists, no, this was like, yeah, I'm doing a Ferox, I'm taking March of the Dead. I'm doing, um, what was it, the uh, the Mandatum. I'm taking this because I want to get that Warlord as close as possible, early as possible, so I can get this plus ones to hit for my Warhounds. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a great it's it's great. So those those 24 inch Gatling Melter Reavers are into play. First yeah. turn. I mean, there. I mean, I don't really like pushing warhounds for movement, so this really helps them. And then if you're moving a reaver six inches and then pushing it for nine in the movement phase, you're only an inch behind a warhound. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I learned that on the hard way because uh, my first legio was a storm. I'm like, yeah, they get boosted movement first turn. I'm gonna do this with a warhound first game. Double heat on my warhound. Shields collapse in front of a warlord. Oh, you're just dead. I think with the warhounds as well, like. They are affected more by um, emergency repairs, I think, than a lot of Titans because you're sacrificing. Like, I can't think of a time where I'd want to sacrifice the movement of a war of a warhound. I'd be probably sacrificing the um, the firing 
more often, especially early phase anyway. If you're around the back already, yeah, you might not do. But that unlucky roll, which gets you two heat, you're probably thinking, do I just ride this rather than do I put emergency repairs on it? At least in my opinion. No, I, I agree. I'm trying to think of the, um, there's like a movie quote or something, or which is like, you know, you, you stop moving, you die. And that's how that's how I see Warhounds. If you you want to be constantly just moving, because you put the amount of pressure they can put people under, especially once they get around behind, if you're a Warhound, even a Reaver, Reaver's struggling, you know, even Reavers start struggling Warhounds in their rear arc because they, they just can't turn fast enough, especially if they have to turn and then the Reaver, then the Warhound gets to turn. But yeah, yeah, anything anything that gets really, especially and the other one, you can go full stride with the Warhounds, so you can potentially move 28, 24 inches in turn one. Moving on to the war gear, then. So there's two pieces of war gear uh, the mortars can take. Um, the first one remains of the fallen. Uh, from the first battles of the Horus Heresy, the Legio Mortis were known for the grisly trophies, trophies that adorned their titans. Death's head banners were often hung with huge skull bouquets or the ran, uh, ragged remains of destroyed titans and lesser war engines. In some cases, still living enemies were lashed to the hull of the Titans to be obliterated in, in the hellish fires of battle. So any Legio Mortis Titan may be upgraded to have remains of the Fallen for 20 points. Enemy units within 8 inches of a Titan with this upgrade must increase the command characteristic by 1 to a maximum of 10. It's okay. My biggest problem with it is it's only Titans again. You really want to be affecting Knights as well at that range. Yeah. Um... Do I want to spend 20 points on this? Probably not. I don't think I ever have. Especially now you've got the new upgrades out. There's probably much better stuff in there. Isn't there a similar similar piece of war gear, Ben, on the Metallica? Is it Metallica? Yeah, there's like 15 points and it's better. <laughs> Magnus do this for free, don't they? This is part of, their, part of their thing. And that's actually caught me out in a game. So I, I think increasing someone's command value is good. I don't know if it's worth 20 points, and I'd like it to affect knights as well. So the Metallica one's 10 points. When a Titan's upgrade makes an attack with its weapon that does not have the melee trait, enemy enemy titan, enemy knights within 8 inches must take a command check. If they fail, they become shaken. Okay, so that's the other way around then. It's just knights. Yeah, but that it's 10 points, and I would argue say it's better because shaken's far better than minus 1 command. Mm. If, if they yeah. shake, they just fail the command test, obviously, but... If you can, if you can, potentially fire a gun, they had to make a command test, and then kill one of them. They've then got to pick another command test. The odd, and they become shaken. They're they're not out the game for a turn, but that's really going to hurt them. I can see because this stacks as well, doesn't it? Mm. So yeah, potentially it could be useful if you've got those warhounds that you've thrown up the board by twenty something inches, and you, they're, they're they're stacking on minus one command values on titans that are really relying on some sort of order or it would it would maybe have some play with like again in the ferox maniple where you want to be within eight get those war you know give remains of the fallen to some warhounds maybe get them right up into the field start interfering with titans it's still a lot of points you there, there's better yeah. that's the that's the problem really and and i, I would say like like a minus one to commands I can live with that. I mean, it's only a ten percent difference. It's only get like two or three, as Chris said. Then yet yeah, becomes good, but also you then got to have two or three of your titans within eight inches of one of their titans, which is really restricting your movement. Yeah. And I think it's just too much of it. It's too much work to potentially not even do anything because that titan might not even want to do an order. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it's 
maybe there'll be something in the traitor book, an upgrade in traitor book, which can stack with it, which I think might make it good. Or perhaps even a reduction in points. We've seen that in the Loyalist books where war gear's been reduced in points. But then what what traitor-specific war gear are we going to see for 10, 20 points that's going to be better than this? Because um, we don't know yet, do we? But there's going to nah, be some that's, stuff in there. That's, that's, kind of, that's, one, that's one of the issues. I, I think because the, the, Imper- the Imperials have lots of like banners and stuff to help. So I think, you know, I could see some like traitor one where like the Imperial one seems to like help their own troops. I could see like corrupted banners or, you know, stuff which affects the opponent. So, because that seems to be one of the ways they go, like the Imperial, the trait, the loyalist stuff tends to be more defensive and help them, whereas the traitor stuff seems to be more close combat focused or try and affect the enemy. So, uh, I guess we'll see, but I mean, we're theory crafting from an actual attack yeah, right yeah. in the seconds. Uh, no. I probably don't know many Mortis players that invest in this at all. No, I don't. No. I, I, I never took it. I took the other upgrade a few times. Never took this one. Okay, so on that, that segues in nicely. So the last piece of war gear is the War Master's Beneficence. So of all the Titan Legions pledged to the War Master, the Legion Mortis were perhaps the most favoured by Horus. As a result received a greater portion of traitor war material. This included extra supplies and all kinds of ordnance for their weapons. Any Legion Mortis Titan may be upgraded to have the War Master's Beneficence with plus 20 points. First time a Titan with this upgrade fires, it adds one to the strength of any of its bolter or missile weapons and may in- may ignore the effects of the draining trait. So um, we've also, before we answer this one and start going into this one, we had a related question actually submitted by um, Death's Head on Instagram. Very apt. I wonder what Legio he actually plays. Um, and his opinion of this, um, well, I, I, I'm... He's a really big uh, Hussar fan from the Napoleonic era, I believe, actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> how could I be so wrong? Um, but his... his I, I, I don't think I need to read too much into the subtext, but he wanted to know why is this the worst upgrade yet? And is there any good uses for it? It's not bad. It is, you know, I desperately try and make this work, but I think I'm... So I've put it on the Penumbral Reaper because he's generally moving up. He's got short range, he's got plasma, so it's 24 inches, he's got the lasers on top. And you know what? It's not so bad on the lasers because it's got six shots. My my biggest problem with this is 20 points, and it's the first time the Titan attacks. Yeah. All they need to do with this is it's 20 points, and you just choose when you activate it. Uh, like hunting shells for in the Loyalist book for the uh, Gatlings. Because I think it was in... Was it our game where I didn't know? I played recently, might be in the, the latest battle report, or one of the games in the tournament, I get confused. But I purposely, in the first round of the game, I had two Warhounds lined up, and I didn't fire because I wanted to wait and use use this trait at a, at a better moment. I just think that's, that's a turn. I haven't fired my guns. I have a big problem with lasers anyway, especially in Warhounds. Yeah. They, just, they just suck. I try to make them work, and I add this to it, and you think you spent 60 points on two guns that fire four shots. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I suppose at least you'd be able to take the lasers and ignore the draining and shield bane with them. Yeah, but once, and it's the once. first time you fire. Yeah. If you 
if I if I could if so if in that game where I didn't fire them, if I could have fired them and then the next round go right, I'm activating the shield bane trait yeah. with my war master beneficence, that would have been great. I mean, this probably is okay on the the disco reaver where you've tooled it up with all the lasers that are 32 inch range. Minus one at long range is a bit of a bummer, and then you what? That's another 60 points if you want to stick it in all the guns. I've tried to make it work. I don't think it does. You don't stick in all the guns, do you? Hmm? You don't stick in all the guns, do you? I know, 20 points is for the Titan, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. 20, it's 20 points. but I think that the odd inclusion here is the plus one strength to um, Bolters and, and Bolters, Apox. Yes. Because the first time it fires, you're going to be hitting shields. So, yeah, so that bit you can completely ignore unless they ever do, like with the, uh, if they did a ra- rapier, it's equivalent to Volca Mega Bolter Strength 3, as an example. But then it would be, then it'd be good. The, um, so I, I, I liked this on two builds, which was not so much the Disco Reaver, but almost. So it was a Reaver with lasers, lasers, and a volcano cannon. So it would, um, I would try and fire a Titan that's got like one shield left to Shield Bane. Then I could fire the volcano cannon without draining. I also really liked it, probably more so, on a warlord with lasers, volcano cannon, plasma, and that because they again that first turn where I'm going right, yeah, I'm hopefully stripping your last remaining shield or two of the lasers, the volcano cannon, and shoots for free. And then even if the even if the lasers don't quite do the job, hopefully then the plasma can bring the shield the last shield down, and then the volcano cannon can still fire for free. And it's actually amazing how much heat that did save me because. I remember the one game it didn't work. My dis- uh, and I had to shield bane the second turn with the disco reaver. Oh my god, he started running hot very quickly. Yeah, I think that, that I, as you point out, it's only twenty points for the titan. I think that this is something yeah. which is favouring your your warlords. If you're if you're doing it for one weapon, it's not worth it. If you're doing it for two weapons, it might be worth it. If you're doing it for three weapons, then I think you you've got to it's, it's you just take it because. Um, it will save you so much heat. Even if you fight a fully shielded Titan and you've got Shield Bane, that can still bring the shields down very quickly. Do you think it's fair then? Uh, do you think Death's Head's comment is fair when he says it's the worst upgrade kit? It's nowhere near the worst upgrade in the game. Nowhere. I mean, we just talked about the... I would think this is much better than the previous upgrade. Okay. I would I would love to see... Because that change, if you could activate it where you wanted, even mm-hmm. you know, one, once per game, then, then the missiles and the bolters starts coming into play yeah. then now on a ferox oh that'd be nice yeah mental yeah. the bolters mm. yeah. no i agree i think it should be you choose and maybe that might be something they do in the traitor book because there does seem to be a bit more of a choose when you want to use it rather than like the first time like the um the firebrands trait which used to be on the first time you could re-roll the initiative and you had to take initiative if you did it because who the hell wants to do that and then they turned it to no you choose a turn just just choose a turn that you want and um i think other upgrades gone similar so fingers crossed that would be a change. I think that would be a really good change for it, you say. Here's a question for you, though. Um, obviously, now with the Universal War Gear, War Gear in the books have mm. has become a competition as to what do you take. Now, yeah. as we said, you probably want to be taking this on a on a Warlord. Would you take this instead of uh, gyroscopic stabilizers, or would you pay 45 points to have both? Depends on the build. I, I The way my list was built, I actually had points to spare, and almost was going to take two banners of two lances and have extra activation. But I decided to drop it and have one banner of three and had loads of points to spend. So I actually took gyros and this and the beneficence on my 
on my warlord um and it, it made the lasers good because i had that massive arc mm. and um getting the shield bane with with six shots early on was was actually quite good so yeah it's 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 a build around it's a build around option i wouldn't take it on all your titans even if you did like a corsair maniple and you had lots of lasers because you're still going to want gatlings you're still going to want vulcan mega bolters but for one or two titans i think it could be really good it can be a good upgrade it's not the worst upgrade in the game so a divisive war gear option let's just say some 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 legs i think we're all agreeing it's not the worst upgrade in the game it's just not great <laughs> i'm sure there's there's, there's got to be something on Krytos's list doesn't there <laughs> next I, I actually quite like their upgrade now <laughs> now i've actually read the rules on you know how things stuff works anyway let's move on to the personal traits so there are three personal traits as a standard for a legio the first one rotten heart uh, the princeps has already succumbed to the lure of the dark gods and a festering rot has begun to hollow out their soul titans commanded by such a princept have their machine spirits likewise corrupted through the miu connection when the princeps awakens the machine spirit on the titan they may ignore its effects rather than rolling on the awakened machine spirit table if they do this, then they advance their plasma reactor track by two places. You wouldn't be wanting to be taking this on a lubrical maniple, really, would you? I don't think I'd be taking this on any maniple. Hmm. I know a lot of the traits for pretty much most of the Legios are just kind of a little bit sort of fluffy, and, and the idea is that you, you roll on them, so you actually don't know what you're going to get, but I think everyone pretty much just picks their own. Uh, and I think for that reason, um, the ones in the main rule book are more efficient. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fairly, it's it's a really situational thing, right? I mean, why would you take this over a one dice roll that you're re-rolling in the combat phase, every combat phase? Or, you know, being able to take the opus in that decisive moment or boosting your own repair. It's, it's, it's a, there's a bad trade-off for this as well two heat two heats a lot of heat to it be is, taking yeah. i would rather just be rolling on the awakened machine spirit and the thing is is like most things are going to be passing on a command check anyway the only things which might not are you going to be your warhounds and they're going to be the ones that are going to really struggle if you know but why would they take that why would they why would they volunteer two points of reactor heat and instantly go into the orange they're not going to no. Yeah, it, rotten heart is rotten. Yeah, ignore <laughs> it. Ignore it, move on. Let's forget about that one. Pitiless, second one. Uh, mercy was never a virtue of the Legio Mortis. Often when an enemy was close to destruction, the enemies, the, the Death's Head's maniple would instinctively concentrate their firepower until the crippled titan was reduced a little more than twisted metal and ash. The Princeps Titan adds one to the strength of its weapons when targeting an enemy that has suffered critical damage to its head body and legs that seems all right apart from how often do you get that combination oh it's all it's all it has to have critical on every single location yeah so basically you've had to spread around your damage inefficiently to make one of your titans a little better aiming and then you still have to aim so it's not like you've gone it's not like you've gone okay i've got all these three Oh, no, it's just targeting Amy Tyson, sorry. But still, you've got, yeah, you, you, unless, you're, unless you're getting only taking blast weapons. This was written for the Grandmaster set, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
when the only thing that existed was double volcano warlords. Yeah, it's it. And then does the does the volcano warlord really need to be strength thirteen? <laughs> yeah, like... probably not. I would have preferred this. I, I would. I would. You'd almost like every legio to have a personal trait that is like the one, like. You've got two sort of fluffy ones, but there should always be kind of one. You think, yeah, that's the one for me. I'd, I'd almost prefer this. If if you get this trait, and then before the game, you roll another D3, and your princeps is getting the plus one strength to all its weapons on that location. So you've either rolled uh, head, body, or legs. Yeah. And then, then you've got your, your sanctioned killer then. So that titans roll yeah. legs and think, right, I'm going for your legs with this titan because I'm getting plus one strength. Uh, so you've got that random element, but at the same time, it's it's a bit more efficient. And it's mitigated by the fact that you'd want to be calling shots to that and taking the minus twos, won't you, to get that benefit, but yeah. there'd be that yeah. trade-off. If if this was a, lo- a specific location, and I wouldn't mind if it was randomised at the beginning of the game, I, I would quite happily take that trait for plus one strength mm. and build build a, a titan around it that's got weapons that can make targeted attacks and... And uh, you know, especially if it does include close combat melee stuff. Uh doesn't say doesn't, yeah. Yeah, any weapons. So yeah, if it was a specific location, and I don't care if that was random, that would be great. That would be cool. Well, even a strength strength eight macro gatling it'd be not not to be sniffed at, would it, as a finishing weapon? Absolutely not. Put it on a ferox, a ferox reaver with a chain fist, plus two, plus two for aiming for the head. Yeah, I could sign up for that. But sadly. That ain't what's sailing at the moment. Well, even if it was just, in fact, you could get rid of the randomness and say if it was just the head, because that's the toughest part of a Titan, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it feels quite more to see that it would go for the head, like quite cruel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that would be, you know, it would be great. But it, but it isn't that. So again, I think it's a bit naff. <laughs> okay, well, let's ra- let's round out this triad of of you know ju- dubious personal traits. Um, <laughs> Ancient of Mars, many princeps of the Legio Mortis were ancient by the time the Horus Heresy, uh, the time of the Horus Heresy, having served since before the creation of the Imperium. Their withered forms were carried on servitor palanquins on per- or permanently attached to their command thrones, and they were connected to the plasma heart of the Titan like it was their own. When a princeps Titan must roll on the reactor overload table, only ever roll a d6 if the reactor stable. Uh, um, even if the reactor status marker is in a red hole. That doesn't sound like fun. Or why would you ever want to do that? Half of the fun is exploding in all over the place, isn't it? And rolling that natural 10. I want to roll a D10 and I want to be adding three to it because I'm in the red. That's the yeah. whole point, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I it's, yeah, this is... Firstly, you're planning to run your Titan that hot, which is just, you know, crazy in itself in some respects. But also... Some, what a valid tactic is running your Titan hot and then running them into the middle of the enemy uh, Legio and hoping it blows up and takes them down with it. Yeah, I mean, the the, the best you're going to get there is a, a nine, isn't it? If you're in the red and you're all the six, you're going to get a nine. And I don't know, like, why would you mitigate part of the game? I, I think that that catastrophic damage reactor overload um, aspect of the game is one of the best parts of the game. It's not the catastrophic damage, that would still get plus three, but the reactor overload where you can just blow up if you're in the mm. red, sorry, yeah. nine or ten, you yeah. just die. You can't do everything. Yeah, just no, no, thank you. <laughs> just because basically, this is planning to fail, in my opinion. This is planning to run your Titan hot, which you might not even do because you might just get really good repair rolls. 
you might even get targeted, so you can't up, up your. You're not. You know, you're not upping your shields anyway. It just there's 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 more useful traits like stealing initiative, re-rolling a, 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 a shot, getting a plus yeah. one to your pair rolls. Yeah, I mean, if you really, if you really want to preserve your titan that much, then then fine. But I don't. If it, if I'm that hot, I'm, yeah. I'm I want to roll the the big dice. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I I, I agree. If I'm rolling, if if I've got myself in a state where I'm rolling a d a d10, then I I know that if nothing else happens, I'm going to have a story to talk about and chat about in in the Discord channel or you know on the next podcast because it's just funny when it happens and it's like it it it's one of those games where you can get enjoyment out of your own stuff dying because fun stuff happens as a result of it dying or you making a mistake and running it too hard. Uh, I guess for the cautious players among us, there's, there's, there's rule, uh, you know, there's legs in that, but it, it, not if for you're me. that worried about, if you're that worried about heat, play a storm, then you'll never worry about heat again. Hmm. So, I mean, that's it as regards to the actual rules. I think, I think on, on balance, they're, they're a fairly balanced Legio. They've got some plus points. I think the standout one is March of the Dead. That's, that is one of the better strat- Legio specific stratagems I think I've I've seen. I know it's probably going to be pipped. You're going to say Furian's Ben is better, but I st- I think oh, no, that no, no, no. Sages are the best uh, Legio special Legio stratagem. That's because you're biased. Plus one to hit long range means my melters might actually hit. That's for everyone, isn't it? That's the that's, whole. That, yeah, that's why I think it's better than the Furian's one because the Furian is just just one mana pool. So you know, if you take a support type, then you get it. Uh, Sages is just no. If they got Sages special rule, they they've got it. And that's only two strat points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, so that yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, good value. Targeted shots and a four plus for the Gatling at long range. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see a points reduction. Who knows what the future will bring us with the traitor book? I mean, then will people then say it's too powerful? Giving you three strat points left to play with in most games. Don't think so. I think I think two would be fine personally. I mean, the, the only problem is the gatekeepers one would need to come down because it's worse. But that arguably has better war gear. No, no. I mean, just talking about the strategy. Uh, you, I, 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 I know, but I mean, on on balance across the Legio special rules, maybe you'd, you'd leave them with the negative on the stratagem because of the fact that there's some other interactions. Let's worry about this for when the traitor book comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do, we'll, <laughs> like, it's all theory at this point. I knew this was going to happen on this. Um, you know, we'll probably end up retconning some of it later on. But um, rolling on to another question that we had from um, our listeners, Richard Willis on Instagram wanted a specific question to you, Chris. Um, he wants to know what your opinion is on the best mana pools to play um, and the synergies around what strats to use. With Mortis. Mm. With, with, with Mortis. And, um, and what, what changes would you, as a Mortis player like to see um right okay let's start with mana pools then so being that march the dead is the the sort of winner here and something that if you're a mortis player you should definitely be uh, experimenting with um anything with warhounds and reavers is great for that initial movement so your ferox is a good even an axiom i i actually really like this with a single warlord so if you can take a Ferox, and I, cause it, I mean, if we're talking Mortis, I love the Penumbral Reaper. We, we, haven't, even, we haven't even sort of mentioned the, the name Titans. I mean, that's about as Mortis as you can get. He's giving um, 
plus one to command to your units. Amazing in close combat because he's hitting on twos. I think re-rolling ones with that strength 12 claw. And now you've got the um, allegiance traits. You can get that with four attacks. Static, not even with a charge. Um, so any mana pool where you can take an abundance of Warhounds and Reavers, and I like to have that one Warlord support, and why not make it the Reaper? I think it's just, it's such it's such a shame, isn't it, that they've not republished the um, Titans of Legend um, rules since they were first. And, and the same argument can be said of the you know, the engine engine war cards, uh, the open engine war cards. Even if they did it's like a PDF and you just print stuff and you put it on top of like a warlord terminal. Yeah. I think that'd be fine. Because like you say, I mean, you're one of the people lucky enough, Chris, that you've uh, you know, had access to that. You run them. And a lot of people probably don't even think about them because it's just not in the periphery because you can't get them. You can't buy the terminals. I mean, sure, you could run them off of the Titan data sheets, can't you? And just load up the rules that way instead, and then you don't need the terminals. But I think just the, the, the fact that we've not even talked about it, I guess, shows how much the, the Titans of Legend are kind of not front and centre of these, these Legios. It puts them in a really awkward place because you feel unfair for people who can't necessarily get access to them because it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, it's all, I, don't, I don't want to say pay to win, but you know what I mean? Because the term, I think the terminals go for £30 each on eBay. Thirty pounds each. There's ten of them, <laughs> you know. Just, but people buy them for that amount of money, and it's you know that's that's the market that's been set up by this limited edition stuff, right or wrong. So yeah, I do find it is, creates a bit of a barrier, and it's almost a shame that you know some of the legions which have really good ones, which could you know, like one of the going to go on to a Kratos. One of the few run Kratos is their warlords amazing, really pricey but amazing, but. You can't get the terminal. People don't think about it. The Reaper's great. It's not, yeah. not even that expensive for a Warlord. Um, no. I think it's five two five points with with the great traits, and especially with things like warp displacement and experimental locomotors. The problem I have with it is I fluff my rolls. <laughs> you break down in our game. It's an absolute bullet magnet as well, because anyone that knows about the Reaper will try and bring it down or avoid it. Um, and I... And because we're doing, you know, we do videos obviously on the channel, we try not to take the same strategy and combinations every time because they're the best options because that just makes um, boring viewing. Funny enough, talking about what we talked about with personal traits and stuff, <clears throat> I might start introducing that we actually roll for our traits rather than picking the best ones. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. Just make sure Steve's not playing... Um playing Grafonicus when you do that because they're all their traits are really good. Oh Grafonicus are just really good, <laughs> aren't they? No. Don't know why Peaky Sold is. <laughs> Painting more. So yeah, um any any I think yeah obviously a Ferox with support a Ferox maniple with support re uh Penumbra Reaper is just and March of the Dead I think is is potentially quite horrendous. Um and maybe I'll I'll get that video uh, out there. But yeah, that that'll probably be my favourite. The Mandatum's quite good with the four Warhounds and the Reaper. You actually get a plus two potential bonus to Warhound command traits, which is command, which is good because that brings them five to three. Uh, I did find though that they are ranging so far ahead; they weren't getting the plus one to hit targets. That can be a risk. Yeah, it just wasn't happening. 
you've got to push the warlord very early to do that one, unfortunately. And if you end yeah. up running a machine spirit and he gets left behind, um, so that's why that's one of the reasons I like a real the Venator because you can get the uh, if you put especially a Melter on the Reaver, you can get him st- steaming up the board to be potentially be in short range of a couple of Titans, and mm. your Warhounds will be in range to bring down shields very quickly. Yeah, I think yeah, anything Warhound Reaver orientated and and chucking that Warlord support. Mm. Uh, is probably the way to go. So, so related to this, while we're on the subject of um, of mana pools, we had another question actually from. <laughs> I love some of these Instagram handles. Crab spasm chaos face, um, he, and he was wondering. Uh, <laughs> would, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wish I'd give my channel that. <laughs> um, <laughs> would it? <laughs> Would it be worth fielding fewer larger titans to get the most from Reaper's tally, or is that an activation trap? So, I, obviously, that would be the opposite end of it, right? That would be kind of like... Um... I, I think it's a trap myself. If you're running a Surgimus, do you really need the help <laughs> rerunning one or two dice a turn? And if you're rolling Exturgimus, you probably don't want to be moving forward, you know, and, well... and getting, getting a free bonus movement, because it's four inches... Depends on your build. Depends. It does depend on your build, um, but you know they can boost their movement comfortably. You know they've they've got. You know, would you would you for th- for moving three warlords mo- spend three stratagem points to get four inches of movement? No, no, you wouldn't, would you? You'd literally be building a force around that one trait. You just basically you're just saving yourself two reactor dice to push them, mm. or you take or you give one of them experimental locomotives for one point, and they can push for free. Plus, also, traitors don't have any issues with getting stuff across, the, with getting speed boosts. So it's worth it on a Warhound and a Reaver because you're moving six and eight inches. And as we said before, we don't really want to push Warhounds. Uh, but Warlords, if you really that really care that much, you can use your lead, uh, Alliance ability to move uh, two inches, uh, give an extra two inches uh, for yeah. one turn. Um, warp displacement. Uh, yeah, it's a bit riskier, but yeah. Whereas, whereas with the Reavers and the Warhounds, you can get really close really quickly, and then you get the speed boost on top of that. Okay, so kind of back to Richards then. Um, what what strats do you particularly like? I mean, like you said, obviously, you you like to mix it up for um, for the shows, but like you've obviously that that would have given you a good cross section of of strats that you've tried and used with these guys. Which which would be your call out favourites? Trying to see how many points is warp displacement because that is two. 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 So if you had, I think March of the Dead and warp displacement for you. I mean, most games at seventeen fifty, you're looking at five. I think as a combination of pure movement is a good combo. And then you have got those lovely little ones for one point, like Bloodthirst, and um... there's one which does full stride, isn't there? And there's one which does charging and close combat. One is yeah March. Walmart. No, they're both very good. If you're only taking three, though, say you came across a non-Legio opponent, would you take March of the Dead? Or would you take three three other stratagems? Maybe, because the thing is, the stratagems, you're picking them before the games. So you're kind of seeing what your deployment zone like, what what titans your, your opponent's got, what your mission is. So, yeah, possibly. So, uh, Bloodthirst is the uh, play for the whole round. You get plus two to hit against enemy titles within two inches, plus you get add, add two to their char- uh, command test for attempting to charge. And then Warlust is two points, and that's when you get pl- plus two to command test for attempting a full stride, and you get plus two to your boosted speed value. Yeah, so they're both really good mm. stratagems, um, which I, I would 
they're like my go-to ones. I, I use both of those with my Audax. Not for the boosting, but for certainly for the full striding. That's been what I played against you, where mm. I got most of my. I think I don't think I failed a single one on all six of my warlords, uh, warhounds, um, to get full stride off and just get in your face that first turn. So I, I tell you one a little bit out there, although I do rate, rate this strategy. I have talked about it a fair bit. Um, going back to the benef, benef, beneficence upgrade, I can never say that word properly. Rami B. <laughs> so. <laughs> So take that, take lots of lasers, take Cursed Earth for one extra save. So that, sh- that Shieldbane uh, loves Cursed Earth because they're all quite low-shot weapons, all of a sudden getting an additional hit with each one, which has also got Shieldbane on them, will rapidly bring their shields down. Because so Cursed Earth, I know a lot of people don't like it because like, oh, it affects my saves as well. Yeah, but if you build around it, you make the most out of it, knowing that you're taking it, it has a, it'll have a bigger effect on your opponent than it will on yourself. So uh, that, that's that's one out there. If you do want to take lots of Disco Reavers, a Disco Reaver with uh, not with free shield bane for a turn and an extra save every time you hit, that's going to do some damage. The latter half of that question, then, um, just to unpack that whole thing from Richard, what changes um, would you like to see? Let's say your top three changes that you would like to see if uh, in, in the Traitor's Book to Mortis. I can give you my top two, which I've kind of mentioned already which would be change the whammy B to activate when you want it to. Mm-hmm. That way you're getting the best out of the bolters and the missiles, and it feels more like 20 points well spent. And the, is it the pitless one, the personal trait, where yeah. I would like that to be a definitive location, now whether that's randomised at the beginning of the game or whether it's like just the head or something, because that's a bit fluffier. That would be my two. I don't think March the Dead needs to drop us drop to two. I think three is probably no. It's fine at three. It's one of those things where I think if it's two, it'd be an auto include three. It's it, mm. it's it's good. Um, I just I don't know. I, I like strategy points. Yeah, <laughs> you could reduce um, remains of the fallen to ten points just to make it mm. more viable because I don't think anyone's using it. And have it affect knights. Oh, yeah, make it or keep keep it the same points and affect knights. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I think that's all fair. Yeah, but I think for a lot of legios, what would I see change? I'd like to see the the, the legio personal traits, as Chris said, at least one of them be good, <laughs> because so many of them. You look at the personal traits and you go, these are all fluffy, but meh. I think for the most parts, they end up being. You know, if if there is a, something stand out in in the traits or the war gears or or that, you know, it's often that the princeps abilities become kind of forgotten about. Completely discreet, Peaky. I'll raise you, Kratos. <laughs> Generally speaking, right? Actually, actually, they have one good one, in all fairness. So they go on. But, that, but I was going to say then, I think Griffonic has kind of changed that because they've got good traits and they've yeah, got really good, good good princeps abilities, haven't they? But historically, you know, if you had a really good princeps ability, the rest of your stuff was probably okay. I mean, from game a game balance point of view, having the universal ones be the best probably isn't the worst thing because everyone gets access to them. Whereas if you made one or two legions have really good personal traits, that could be an unbalancing factor. I don't like dominant strategists. No, it's a bit good. It's a bit good. It's yeah, especially in multi maniples. I used to hate Swift Killer, but actually, been alert to use train better, and that minus one plus train, so it really stacks up. Do people still take Swift Killer now? You got gyros? Cause I'm pretty sure. Uh, I've seen it a few times still. Yeah. A few. Uh, I think. I think. I, I can see Sturgeon still wanting it just because you you got the activation disadvantage. Mm. 
Uh, just just quickly to go back to stop us from getting a bucket load of messages. So the procedure strategy is not the best. It's one of the best. So it's a stygium veil. That's the best strategy in the game. Mm-hmm. Before we get a bucket load of, oh, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I only occurred to me afterwards. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that, that's bonkers good, isn't it? So, sorry, just to just to save us aggro in the future. <laughs> yeah, no more retconning in future future podcasts. Yeah, I don't have to whole section of things being got wrong and start the next podcast. Well, guys, it has been an exhaustive session today. Like, we covered some serious, um, serious topics, put all the big questions out there. It's been a really good chat. Anything else that we've not covered? Well, I'll just say, Chris, hey, hey, do you want to quickly do like a quick elevator pitch and where everyone should play Mortis? <laughs> On the spot, right? Um... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you just like evil bad guys that look cool and are actually quite simple to paint then then go to mortis um, they have got some nice rules they're not broken i don't think anyone will ever go oh no he's got mortis on the table and uh march of the dead is really cool and fun to play so yeah give them a crack why not on the club i'd also add if you're playing mortis it probably you can pick any battle and they were there Whereas, yeah, you know, not like one of these like lesser known legios, which is like you know, I really want to do like Titan Death. Yeah, they were there. No mortis were. Everywhere. I'd actually love to see a bit of official fluff if if there is a bit I, I I haven't seen or don't know about. I'd like to see a story where actually you got some mortis fighting on the loyalist side. Like, yeah, they're so entwined in the in the in the the traitor story arc that I, I would love to see a, a little story where they're. You've got a mana pool somewhere that they're going, nah, this isn't this isn't for us. This isn't this isn't Mortis. I'd like to see that. A little pocket of resistance. Yeah, yeah. I I'd tell you one other thing I I talking about changes you like to see. I tell you one thing I would have liked to have seen with Mortis, because when they got their rules reprinted in uh Riser, one thing I think they missed the option of there was to do like a crusade mortis list or like a fragment mortis list where you have like the a bit like the uh the gatekeepers, you know, because they're kind of like mortis ish kind of take the mortis rules change one or two of the abilities maybe they don't get the war master beneficence because they're miles away they're off their crusade but then give them like a, a diff, one or two different rules so it's like mortis like the crusade variant or mortis like this campaign variant just to kind of I don't, something i wouldn't mind seeing with a lot of the other legios to give you kind of like a second option which isn't necessarily better but just different and I think Mortis is one of the legions you could really do it because there's just so many of them. They're everywhere. You, you can't tell me that, you know, when a demi-legio has gone off with, like, no, the Iron Warriors, let's say, on, on Crusade for 100 years, they're not different. They don't fight differently from the, what you think is the core Mortis rule, core Mortis guys. Interesting idea. Yeah, I think certainly the larger ones, there is room, isn't there, for... Hmm. Um, or the Zestobiacs, like we spoke about in a previous podcast, they were all very much isolationist um, sub-demi-legios on each planet. They didn't really travel about. So there would definitely be differences and nuances between each world. Yeah, interesting idea. So just before we finish off today, Chris, um, first off, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been great having you on. If people are listening to this, never heard of Tabletop Standard before, anything you want to say to them? You should probably go and subscribe. (laughs) <laughs> simple yeah, just go and check us out we're on YouTube um, we're basically we're Adeptus Titanicus Barrel Report channel and it's 
just fun. We try not to take ourselves too seriously at all. Um, and we just love this game. And if you love it and you want to help us out and watch some battle reports, yeah, just go and check us out on YouTube. Perfect. Thank you very much. Guys, thank you very much for having me. I think we could say Steve's better as well. Sure. But... <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to check out any battle report, I, can't remember, I think it's during your campaign. Watch the one where I think Chris is using a night, night household. And uh, it's like Steve's bubbling under hatred of a caster occasionally comes out, occasionally breaks like professionalism. It's brilliant. I was laughing. I'd stop painting. I was laughing so much. <laughs> there's there's some great stuff off camera. <laughs> Are you ever going to release like a, a blooper reel or a, you know, director's cuts? No, X rated. It's just not filmed. It's just the stuff where the camera's put down and, and uh, yeah, the X rated stuff comes out. <laughs> the, the frustrations in this game it's not a forgiving game at no. is not forgiving so um you have to have quite a relaxed uh attitude to uh extreme failure i think uh, chris you know, maybe that could be like your christmas bonus for your patreon is you have a camera that he doesn't know about set up like recording him the whole time well, we're actually, um, so a friend of mine, Tony, he's joining the channel and um, he's a survivor from when we used to play Warhammer for shots every Christmas around oh, my house. So I think we're going to do a Christmas special, me and Tony. We're going to play a game of Titanicus for shots. Oh, geez. <laughs> this is an idea, right? Every time you take some heat, you do a shot. Oh, God. Maybe not heat. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like one of my friends who um, was he's not. Really, we watched the Super Bowl in his house one day. He doesn't really understand American football. He said every time they kick the ball, a touchdown scored, or there's a turnover. So we should drink. I'm like, do you want to die? <laughs> Have you watched this game before? <laughs> I bear in mind we'd been drinking for three hours before he recommended this. Yeah, well, we're gonna we have to come up with some something uh, sensible-ish. But um, yeah, this is something we're we're probably gonna do for Christmas. That will be. A horrendous game to watch, but probably a lot of fun. Uh, I cannot wait to see that. Please tell me Steve's going to have to record it, because I can imagine, imagine your camera work after a few shots. I know, and it's bad enough already. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, like I say, at the moment, it's it's that's as far as we've got with it, but he's uh, he's definitely up for it. So, Well, brilliant. Thank you very much uh, for coming along tonight, Chris. Say hi to Steve. Yeah, we'll do, guys. And I guess all that leaves us to say tonight is uh, thank you very much for listening. Please do check out and our new Discord server. Um, if you want to help support the show, you can also do that via our Patreon. Uh, it's um, patreon.com forward slash Maximal Fire. If you want to get in touch or um, submit any questions, um, you can send us an email at maximalfire at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram, maximal.fire. And until next time, guys, it just leaves me to say, always remember to go big, go loud, and always, always go full Corsair.